Auto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right. With no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Uh, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? Literally. Welcome back to another fabulous episode of your favorite creative motorcycle, <laughs> creative, well, your favorite podcast called Creative Writing, and that's this one. I don't think you listened to another one called Creative Writing. If you do, tell me, and I will sue them. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is, uh, your, your punishment is over this week. You're listening to uh, nothing but silence, and uh, that's really all I had to give. I have been busier than a one-armed sloth trying to climb a tree to get away from a harpy eagle, um, and that's part of the reason why this week I thought, hey, we'll take a break. Also, there's a lot of crap going on in the country right now, and I want to make sure everybody's safe and, uh, you know, all this and that. I can't make sure everybody's safe, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, the you know, just make sure things are... Um, Calming down a little bit. Just a bummer. Don't. <laughs> seems like motorcycles is like the last thing on uh, people's minds right now. And so, uh, you know, mine too. So I just uh, took a little break this week, and we are back now with episode two hundred and twenty-two. And the uh, this isn't the name, but we're going to be talking about quadragesimal memories. Probably quadragesimal. Hmm. The Isle of Man, and uh, we're back with the word of the week. For those of you that have never listened to the show before, um, get the fuck out. Just kidding. Stick around. It hopefully it gets better from here. Um, and for those of you that have listened to the show before, you know that the word of the week is something that I have up my sleeve. If we say that a word of the week, we must uh, destroy one of the kittens from this bag of kittens over here. It's not really a bag. It's a little basket of these cute kittens. They are so cute. Hi, guys. How you doing? And girls. There's probably some girls in there, too. So every time we say the word of the week, which is submitted by listeners like you to our uh, Facebook word of the week page, which, quick tangent, what the hell's up with Facebook? It's like, I know Instagram and Facebook are the same company, and they're, like, merging, and, like, every, I logged into my Facebook page for the first time in a few weeks, couple weeks, um, maybe it was just a week, actually. I don't know when the last time I was on there was, but things have been real busy uh, outside of work and outside of everything else that's going on. I feel like uh, America's, right now, the world is uh, going to hell in a handbasket. So things have been busy all over the place, but they've been really busy for me at work um, and in my personal life as a result of everything that 
what's going on everywhere else. And so just keeping up with stuff um, is super hard. We have a Discord channel that I just don't have time to dedicate to. I was hoping the patrons would get in there and, and yap it up and nobody goes in there. It's like another social media thing. Great. You know, we're motorcyclists. We're 100 years old. We already have to like remember our motorcycle to ride today. And then, uh, you know, on top of that, you know, Discord is mostly for like cool people like Dan TDM and any other gamers, right? So not a lot of stuff going on on our Discord channel. So then I made a public one in light of everything that's been going on with all the self-quarantine and lockdown stuff that we're kind of pulling out of now. But at the time, everybody was doing it, and people are still committed to... uh, Actually, I'm not 100% sure how things are moving right now, but um, people are still committed to that. So, So am I. So there's a public Discord server, which is the Friends, Artists, Writers, and Throttle Junkies. And then there's a private Discord server for our Patreon crew only. Neither one is doing particularly well. So if you'd like to join either of them, become a Patreon uh, Patreon supporter or uh, just head over to Discord and sign up and look for creative writing and look for our friends, artists, writers, and throttle junkies. It spells fart if you didn't realize that. You know, there's like a lot of other worse... Um, <laughs> worse naming conventions out there. But anyway, yeah, this is episode 222. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of cool stuff. Quadragesimal, that's a word I had to look up. And so I'll tell you what it means in a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, we have Tobor here in the studio. Again, if you're a longtime listener, you may remember Tobor. He was with me for about, uh, or actually I shouldn't call you he, you're a robot. And I don't think robots are gender specific, but you definitely have a male's voice. Um, you kind of had this like weird staticky voice when you first came around. And now you seem to have adopted a male's voice. So uh, maybe it's just because it's a motorcycle show and you're old school like that, you crazy robot. But anyway, Tobor is here with me. I don't know who else is going to be checking in. Uh, So we'll figure that out. Creative writing is brought to you by Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's for long-distance truckers and motorcyclists on a long road trip. Millman's features enriched cocaine and skink pheromones. Millman's, I killed a ninja. Millman's Chocolate Chips. All right. Hi, everybody. We're back. Uh, With us, uh, I don't know why Tobor cut us off there, but he did. And I'm kind of glad he did. I have an announcement to make. Uh, Tobor... Um, actually, I don't know why you cut us off, but you did. And, uh, or was it the computer? I'm not hundred percent what happened here, but what it has allowed us to do is to, uh, have a special guest in the studio. Um, Brady, you've never met Tobor. You want me to up this a little bit? Thank that? you. That's yeah, wonderful. Perfect. I love hearing your sexy voice. Well, some people say it's sexy. Some people say, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the voice I heard calling me. And <laughs> and that's how I got sentenced. That's it. in jail. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Brady, you never met Tobor. Tobor was on our old show. Um, Tobor is a robot. Okay. So. It is I, Tobor, the sentient robotic being. Yes, we know that you're a sentient robotic being. Nice to meet you, Tobor. Tobor, this is Brady. Can you say hi to Brady, at least? Hi, Brady. All right. Hi, Tobor. Hey, Tobor is a fucking asshole. That's Why? all I got to say. Well, listen, Tobor... He sounds like an asshole. He is an asshole. Um, he sounds condescending. Yeah, he's very condescending. <laughs> Talking and, uh, to me like I'm a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, all your friends have abandoned you. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yes. Come over and say that to my face. 
<laughs> hey, actually, his hands are kind of strong. I oh, wouldn't. okay, never mind. But, uh, I'll, I'll put my pants back on. Then. Yes, I know. Yeah, Tobor is not one of those type of robots, Brady. Uh, I Trust me, I had to learn the You hard said way. I was going to want to meet him. <laughs> I was wrong. Um, so, hey, uh, we have Sweet Talker Brady Walker in the house with us tonight. We're outside. We're not in the house. We're not in the garage studio. We're just, we're kicking it in my backyard. Um, I like this better. Yeah. I like your neighborhood. I like your backyard. And I like doing the show with the dogs. Yeah. The dogs really add, I mean, aside from adding like dog shit to the yard, they actually do add like a little ambience. They're always tripping over uh, the cords and stuff inside. And now they can do it outside. And it's great. Oh. Um, so I don't, I don't even remember where we left off, uh, Tobar, but, uh, you, we were going to like a break, and what happened is I, I had a two-hour show recorded, mm-hmm. and Tobor did something to the cable. The the computer died, and there goes my two-hour show. I have you're six no minutes. No, I have six minutes of intro, so I'm actually glad you're here. I have a whole show scripted out. Uh, Tobor was helping me. Um, something fucked up on the computer. Um, I know it's not your fault, Tobor. I mean, it what- might have been. He seems like he's more into computers than I am. Tobor, will you ever accept? A responsibility for anything. No, <laughs> I didn't think so. Yeah, Brady. Once you once you actually get to know Tobor, you're, you'll change your mind. You'll you'll come to the uh, opinion that I have of him. I'm I'm learning right now. Uh, yeah, he's cute. He's cute and all. But so yeah, Brady and I just polished off some dinner. Um, I actually have a. Thank you for dinner. That was delicious. Yeah. Hey, when when next time when when well the restaurants are open now, so maybe if we can get wigs together, we can all three go down there and do a show from that restaurant. I think that'd be great. Yeah. So we're kicking it here. Um, I hope you don't hear the old um, air conditioning. Air conditioning, I don't hear it. Well, we didn't even hear that uh, drag boat start up. With <laughs> yeah, I know. These <laughs> mics so loud. These mics are pretty good. So um, you might hear a bird chirping in the background. You might hear the Brit- You might hear the breeze blowing through me and Brady's hair. I can hear a little right now. Yeah, actually, right when I said that, it was like almost on cue. If it gets scale force, we might have to go back in the studio. But uh, so this week's word of the week, um, Tobor, did we actually give our disclaimer? And all that great jazz. Um, I'm, I don't remember if we did that part of it. We, we kind of... I, no. Yeah, okay, thank you. you t- it takes a little while. Sometimes you I ask know. him... Does he have a stroke or something? He, well, he gives you that stare, that look of like, are you a complete idiot? And then he'll verify. So uh, this, uh, this week, the views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants. They do not reflect the policy position opinions of Creative Writing Moto One Podcast, any of our affiliates. Um, any opinion is the... Uh, respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything even um we need a like rider and even like can-am riders those yeah the can-am spiders like it's or like, a boss hog yeah <laughs> there you go a boss hoss um, boss hoss that's right so this week's show is also brought to you by off we go products uh off we go uh their their philosophy they're, they're completely opposite of on we go yeah on yeah, on we stay. Yes, <laughs> off we go. Um, they they hate on we stay actually, and they uh, torched their headquarters the other week. I shouldn't say that now. Now this isn't brought to you by off we go anymore. I rescind my. <laughs> actually, off we go is a uh, is a is a pet product uh, company. Their philosophy came to life in 2019 when three dog loving friends down in San Diego were chatting about the dog treats available at the time, and their credo became, "Hey, you know the simple belief that we should put our our." Uh, what what we our pets would eat in our you know what we put in our bodies maybe we should put so, that stuff so they're in our making pets, dog food for people they are oh you got it backwards they're, back, they're oh, making people, people food, food for, for dogs. dogs and um you know what I call people food for dogs when you drop it on the floor 
every people food becomes dog food at that point. That's right. Uh, but yeah, we they gave us a couple free samples, and my dogs literally quit eating for three days after I ran out because they're like, no, I want that. It's Bring that it back. Or, or get the fuck out. So yeah, they're this, striking. This stuff is good. So check out offwego.co and uh, or info at offwego.com. Or offwego.co, and uh, this week's word of the week. We 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 talking about. We're gonna be talking about Island Man just to fill you in. I I know something about that. Okay. We watched the 2019 review. Yeah, baby. last week. Get that dog out of here, Tobor. Tobor, get that dog out of here. That dog is loving on me. <laughs> right. And he heard about the uh, on off we go products, and he, he was getting mouth <laughs> drool all over me. Well, that's also because my dog's infatuated with you. I love them. Um. So Tobor is also, you know, we have a word of the week, Brady, and every... Uh, yes, yeah. one time I was here and we took out a lot of cats. Yeah, well, guess what? We got some more cats, but now that we got this robot with us, he is actually going to help us. Can we shock him? Uh, yeah, actually, Tobor, you got a, you got a shocker? Uh, Tobor, Ooh. chainsaw, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. Oh, so God. it sounded like a two-stroke, not an electric <laughs> <know>. chainsaw. <laughs> I know. Um, so, Tobor, I'm going to let you say the word of the week. Go ahead here and um, go ahead and put that word in your mouth. Do you have like a little, uh, that's it? That's what it sounds like when you scan something? All right, what's this week's uh, word of the week? The word of the week this week is moist. Moist, okay. That's, so That's the word of every week. Yeah, <laughs> hey, when isn't that the word of the week? So if we say that word, we have to, you know, all these people during COVID, all these, all our neighbors, like they couldn't afford to feed their cats anymore. They kept bringing us all these kittens. So we have this whole bag full of kittens now. What are we going to do with them? Well, Tobor, why don't you, uh, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Tobor. Let's, uh, but once we ring this bell, the word of the week, moist, is going to be official. So don't say it. All right. Also, it was precipitous a couple weeks ago. So be careful when we talk about the weather just a couple weeks ago. So Got it. the word of the week is official now. It is moist as soon as the bell rings. <laughs> All right. Word of the week is official. Toboard, thank you for logging that in. Um, Sweet Talker Brady Walker. Yes. If you're from the internet, which I know all of us are, you've likely heard the name Larry Enticer before. Yes. Yeah, Larry Enticer. He's I a... met him uh, no shit. at... Uh... Mama tried very briefly. <laughs> nice, uh, Tobor. Have you heard of the internet or Larry Enticer before? Just in many ways, I am from the internet. In many, okay, sweet. So, have you heard of Larry Enticer before? He is basically like an internet celebrity meme guy. No. Oh, okay, well, make things simple. Um, he sends it on his. Uh, let me read my scripted stuff here. The mulleted man, man from the north is famous or was famous for 15 minutes. I don't know how much famous he is anymore, but he launched- still is. I, I see him on his, in the interwebs. Okay. Right. So he's still making the rounds. He's probably got an agent now, but he was, uh, he would send it on his 350 enticer, which is a Yamaha snowmobile, uh, off of impossible kickers. That thing was never going to make, but <laughs> that's what send it's all about. He was the president of the hold my beer movement. <laughs> and so we all know Larry, Enticer, but now let me introduce you to Larry Exciter. Ooh. Yes. Grab a cold one and sit back while I send it through the history of the ironically named Yamaha Exciter. So, Brady, uh, I'm going to ask you just to stretch this. I know you got a big head, but go ahead and stretch this. Cap over your head. Tobor, do your thing. Uh, send us out. Send us to the future here. Let me put my hat on. And, um, 
Oh, God, mine has stretched too far. Uh, Tobor, go ahead and send us out to the future. This is what it feels like. This is what it sounds like to go back in the future. So hang on. Oh, my God. I can feel this going back through time. Oh, shit. Whoa. Holy shit, Brady. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Oh, oh my God, bro. We're, we're in 1980. This is fucking this magnificent. This is great. Oh, my God. God, finally flies? some decent cocaine. <laughs> yes. Hey, listen. The, the cocaine was awesome. The music was terrible. That is the 80s. Listen, I'm a Todd Rundgren fan. The music was wonderful. <laughs> right. Oh, well, I was thinking more about disco. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so. Poor uh, quality cocaine and disco. I wouldn't have survived. Tobor, that's how I feel, buddy. Um, so listen, the SR250, as it was uh, as it was known, the model name, it was produced in 1980 to 1982 for the United States, and then from 1982 to 2000 in Spain. So this thing's like technically a modern bike, even though it, you know that's a long run. Um, that's a 80 to 2000. That's a two, 20 year run, right? That's a long for any bike, unless it's a uh, XL uh, or a KLR 650 or <laughs> one of the FJ. Um, so yeah, the DRZ 400 is like one of the only other bikes I can think that's been around for like 20 years, almost unchanged. So Spamala is the SR250, and that model ended in 2000. Uh, in the United States, it was called the Exciter, and that to me sounds like a sex toy instead of a commuter bike. It's probably a, a, a 250 single, right? Yeah. It's probably just exciting you down there as it's revving <laughs> I never thought to of the that. maximum 6,000 RPM. <laughs> right. And that's how you had to have that's it exciting all the time in order to, to go anywhere. So that's that, I never thought of that. Maybe that's why they called it the exciter. See, I thought they were, when you have something that's so shitty, you got to ramp it up. You know by the name that it's going to yeah. be like, right, a terrible bike. It was bike. like, yeah, any old bike, people would be like, gotta have it. They're like, yeah. exciter. Yeah. They're like, eh, that's probably lame. It's almost like naming a bag of poop, like a flaming bag of dog poop, like the fun foot stomper. And yeah. Like, yeah, man. Like, this is going to be fun to stomp on. <laughs> no, yes. Um, so depending on which internet source you trust, um, the SR250 began its production run in 1978 with the other SRs, but no credible... Uh, web source, no credible repair manual, no credible anything. Uh, you can't trust the internet, so you have to go based on like paper uh, these days and do your old school research like I had to do. Um, no factory manuals or anything exist for pre-80. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure that the SR was like an afterthought. The SR400 and the SR500, which I believe you own an SR500. I have, I have one. Iconic bikes. And the SR400 is still made in Japan, I'm pretty sure. Um, it is. Largely unchanged. But the SR500, it might still be being made. Yeah. Oh. It only came to America for two years. I know. Same with the the 250 and the 400 as well. The 400... Uh, so the SR400 and 500 both debuted in 78... Uh, the SR500, which was marketed in USA from 78 to 81, would continue to be offered in Japan and Europe until 99. Mm -hmm. And it actually won Motorcycle of the Year twice from this German uh, magazine called Motorrad, which is German for motorcycle. <laughs> so very, very, very thoughtful and creative, these Germans. Um, but the SR400, it also debuted in 78, and it's been sold continuously in various markets around the world. Uh Still, and it's still offered in Japan. Um, it was only here for a couple years as well in the States. Um, it took a production break in 2008 and 9. but you know what else took a break in 2008 and 9? The fucking world economy. 
The That's global- right. <laughs> yeah. I took a long break. Yeah. Suzuki took a break right after that, too. They didn't even import bikes to the States right after that year. So that's the year everything went to hell in a handbasket. Do you feel like that's happening again? Do you feel like history's kind of repeating itself? Oh, well, mm. you would think that uh, if anyone's got problems with financials, they'd be buying a motorcycle. And the, don't even get me started on social distancing. It's the most <laughs> epic way to social distance. Right. I've been doing it for years before it's been popular. Right. And I know that... Uh, uh, anyone and everyone and their brother already knows this from, uh, you know, talking about it over the last so many years. Right. So, so. Yeah. I don't know. I've been out of touch, man. This last three months, I we, we only have two or three channels uh, in Bakersfield, one being Charge. And so I'm just watching, uh, you know, 1940s and 50s black and white uh, cowboy <laughs> flicks, which yeah. is wonderful. And so I'm not getting much news there. And we got a couple of Republican stations coming out of Bakersfield reminding us that the, you know, there's no such thing as COVID and everything's fine. Yeah. Um, so hopes. I have not been putting my finger on the trigger of uh, the motorcycle market. What have you seen? Yeah. Well, I've seen a bunch of new bikes that came out. You work the IMS shows, so you should know better than me mm-hmm. all the great stuff that came out. And now it's kind of fallen flat on its face because right when the motorcycle shows ended. COVID appeared. Yep. And it's like, hey, everybody, guess what? Now you can't go ride these motorcycles. You can't go to a dealership to buy them. I think the 2020, 2020 motorcycles, Kawasaki revamped their whole line for 2020. And I think now it's like a write off. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm not, not going to agree with you there 100% because I've been talking to a lot of people about this. And I still hear um, here's news coming out of motorcycle shows and all of that about the fact that. After everyone got sort of, you know, bored or maybe it just hit them that, yeah, you're not going back to work after three days in mid-March, that everyone started, after drinking for two weeks, they started cleaning the garage or organizing this and, hey, maybe I'll get that part for that motorcycle and get it running because what else are you going to do? Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of rugrats running around or anything that we have to be responsible for. So we have been, that's exactly what we've been doing is projects, 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 and motorcycles, motorcycles, motorcycles. So I've been talking to a lot of the folks around town. Um, I stopped into Yamaha, uh, Pasadena Yamaha. I stopped into Glendale Honda because I needed to get oil filters, which we didn't have for any of the bikes and some oil. <laughs> and everyone's doing really well. A lot of people are getting their bikes pulled in for maintenance. Uh, the showroom over at Pasadena Yamaha was half full. Now, I don't know if that's because they can't get bikes, but they said they've been selling a lot. I went into the Harley dealership for Caroline's oil filters, and they had people out the door. Uh, same thing with uh, Glendale Honda. They've been busy as well. Uh, my friend uh, Kyle uh, runs Classic British Spares with his dad, Malcolm, and they're just a little you know, uh, mail-order shop, and they have been jamming. So I think that it's been good for a lot of those industries. I'm, I'd be more afraid to see what happens after everyone goes back to work and uh, everyone's like, yeah, we forgot what how we forgot how to love. <laughs> right. I forgot how to do all these great things I learned in, in during quarantine. But at least my motorcycle's running like. And a the top. motorcycle's running, and I'll see it in five years when yeah. I get done working. All right. Hey, be cool. These guys, these old people are looking. Remember, we're in 1980, and these people are looking at us like, "What are they talking about?" Yeah. Um. But yeah. Well, we'll come back to that actually because I do want to. As soon as we get out of this year, I oh, talk I didn't about, even know we we're in that year. I'm, yeah, 
Remember, we just traveled on a time machine to 1980. Listen, How soon you forget? Tibor's over here trying to grope me. Get out of here, <laughs> Tibor. Tibor, leave Brady alone. Uh, so hey, the um, the SR 400. It took a break yes. when the um, economy did, and that's the only time. And so it was still in production up until it was still sold here in the states. They brought it back for 15 through 17, and. Um, then it left here, and, and, and but it's still in Japan right now. Uh, it had a cult following, and it retains the kickstart of the original. And uh, the SR250, in stark contrast, never has made a comeback, never had a kickstart, and will never come back to the States or any country, well, ever. people wanted a motorcycle that goes more than 10 miles an hour, yeah. I think is a big deal. That's a problem. So when you have to name a bike the Exciter, it probably wasn't meant to be. It's a, like I said. I see. Name. It all comes back around. Yeah, the first generation boasted a 249 cc that produced 20 bhp at 7700 rpm. Can you believe Spamla can go that fast? I don't. I say that's light, light speed. 20. I know 20. Hey, listen. My very first car was a stock Volkswagen 1600. And did you know the very first Volkswagens that were 1200s only made 26 horsepower? So Spamala <laughs> was like... On point. Dude, I could have drag raced a 1939 uh, Volkswagen Bug back before they were called Beetles. They were just called like the Munchenwagen or something. And I could have won. Easily. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, 20, 20 horsepower. Uh, that's half of what my freaking 950 has. So I'm not you know, shaking a finger at that. Mm-mm. 13 pounds of torque at 7,000 RPM. So that's a good, you know, that's a good uh, horsepower torque. They're right up there in the same horsepower, uh, RPM range. So that was good enough for the dual drum brakes, which were expected to do their job any more than 20 horsepower and Spamila would have had to get a disc. Mm-hmm. And the newer models did get a disc, probably because mm-hmm. they're like, hey, it's probably a bad idea to have drums, dual drums on anything. Uh, so the second generation dropped down to 239 cc's and, um, that was the one that was produced from like 84 to 2000 or whatever like that. In 1980, Cycle Worlds did a road test of the SR250, and it found that it had a standing quarter-mile quarter time of, are you ready for this? Because we're going to talk about Three, 30 minutes? <laughs> pretty close. I think it was slower than a VW bus, which is pretty sad, <laughs> considering I just said it had more horsepower. Um, a quarter-mile time of 16.36 seconds at 76 miles an hour. And it accelerated from zero to sixty in eleven point five seconds, which was right. You on would have to f- be wringing that thing's neck, dude. <laughs> you would have to be at seventy seven hundred RPM, even. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I shifted around seven grand on my SR five hundred race bike, and you know seven's even pushing a little bit. Yeah. Um, and going through all the mapping for the SR500, it's uh, it really doesn't make power over six grand. So why no. do you need to rev it to seven? You really have to have everything in line because for those little bikes. If it's not exploding, it's not going. Basically, <laughs> like you, like you literally had to bring it to the end. Yeah, that's true. So um, yeah, braking distance. Um, oh, listen, the top speed, uh, the top speed was 130 kilometers. An hour. 130, 130 sounds a lot faster. 80 miles an hour. I can't believe sounds so much faster. That's downhill with the wind at your back. Listen, that's downhill with the wind at your back and a guy on a GSXR behind you with his foot on your pushing peg you. pushing you. <laughs> but I had to re-gear Spamala just to do 80 on the freeway. Uh, breaking distance, 60, 60 to 0 was 38 feet. 
I thought you were going to say 38 seconds. No, yeah, that's, that's actually more like it. It's actually 38 meters, which is 125 feet, which is like three and a half football fields, if my math's right. Um, here's what I do like about Spamala, and this is real. Yes. The fuel consumption, 76 miles to the gallon. That's wonderful. And Spamala got regularly, sometimes I'd get 82, sometimes yep. I'd get 72. Given it a range of 167 miles, that math doesn't work out because it's got a three-gallon tank and 70, ti 70 times That's three two, already is 210. So add another 20-something miles a gallon. So I don't know where they got that math from, but I, I'm thinking more of like 250 was like what I would get with Spamala. I could ride her down to San Diego and have gas to cruise around for like half the day and then have to gas up. So I don't That was probably a nominal, you know, no, no revving mm. in the shifting. You're just sort of like slumping along, no yeah. hills. Oh, yeah. Because I, 70 miles a gallon, wow. Yeah. No, and, and she regularly got it, especially after I geared her to go on the freeway and I wasn't wringing her neck on the freeway. That was yeah. pretty nice. So, um, yeah, what we know is that it was one of the most bulletproof and reliable bikes came out of Yamaha's Wisconsin factory in 1980, the SR250. Yeah. Um, it had the 3Y6 motor, which is what Spamla has, and it shared it with the XT250 and the TT250. They they still make that XT250, I think. Obviously, it's like fuel injected and like water cooled now, but uh, it's a vestige of the SR250. And uh, although the SR250 and the 500 had electric starters, um, the you know the 400 never has had, and that's one of the cool things about it that was making it retro. To these when they brought it back, it's like oh, it's still got a Kickstarter. People yeah. love that shit. People don't love that shit when it's like 100 degrees out and you're in your full gear and you're kicking the bike that won't start. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a there's a definite... I don't know how about it is with your Spamala bike, but with my SR500, you know, there's a definite way to do it right. And if you do it right, you can do it in bare feet. In fact, I used to start the bike with flip-flops uh, at the racetrack and people would gather around to watch me break my ankle and I'd be like this... <laughs> Yeah. And they'd be like, what? what? Is it the same thing with yours? Oh, yours electric. I have electric start, yeah. Let's just get rid of that for fun. Yeah. They have, like, actually, if you go online, you can find the kits that went on the XTs. They still make them. You can find them on eBay sometimes. Um, but everybody that has the SR wants it. And then I'm going, really? Do I really want a fucking Kickstart? I'd probably keep them both because I don't want to be out there fucking sweating no, balls. yeah. You know? Um, there's a reason they made them uh, electric start. So anyway, the, there is a... There is still... There's no more 500s from Yamaha. There's no more... Obviously, no more 400s except for that one that's in Japan now. Uh, we can't get it here. But you still can get the XT here in the States. And it's the only living relative of the once great Spamala. Oh, yeah. I love Spamala. I do too. So let's remember when Spamala was featured at the Californian as a, as a picture do. bike. Remember when I had just changed the fucking? Uh, I had just adjusted the valves and had the oil cover, like the cam cover off, and then I didn't t tighten it down all the way. And when you I was going down it? there, I had like. 18 gallons of oil on my leg and I couldn't figure out where it came from and it was <laughs> dripping all over the horse track. I was so like, I thought you were going to get busted for that. I was like, oh my God, oh, she's dripping hilarious. oil all over all over Santa Anita. They're going to give Brady a hard time for like hazmat cleanup or some shit. They didn't. Uh, let's get the fuck out of 1980, bro. Let's get let's back go. to... Uh, let's go back to bad cocaine land. Tobor, how do we get... Yeah, how do we get out of here back to uh, 2020? The... Oh, there we go. That was Woo. easy. All right, Brady, so now that we're here in 2020, let's talk about 
1980. More great things from 1980. I was alive in 1980. Some of our listeners weren't. So I know. I was a baby. I yeah. was four years old. Yeah, you were a little tiny guy. So, yeah, you and me are, like, roughly the same age. Yep. Um, are you a bicentennial baby? I am. Yeah, yeah. Just Spirit kidding. of 76. As in, I'm 200 years old. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in 1876. <laughs> um, so... Jimmy Carter enacted a grain embargo. First thing, first thing out of the gate in 1980, what happens? Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, I remember, I remember hearing this guy talked about, he enacts a, a grain embargo against the USSR. And I was thinking about like the chicken tax, like the Harley chicken tax. I didn't know a grain embargo happened, but it was for, he, he, he did this grain embargo against, we call it Russia now, but it was the USSR and it was like all of freaking, what, what wasn't China was the USSR. And he put this grain embargo on them for invading Afghanistan. We were protecting Afghanistan. We didn't want the communists Even spread. back then. Yeah. So first thing, right out the gate. Second thing, the Canadian caper. Six American diplomats escape Iran by posing as Canadians. That's a great movie. Yeah. Have you seen it? What's the name of that movie? Argo. It's a great yeah. movie. It's I watch that and even the reruns and it makes me on my edge of my seat. Yeah, it's a good movie. And I had no idea he was part of it because he couldn't talk about it. He was like under embargo. You can't talk about this. They can't know the United States had anything to do with it. Yep. Or now they'll come blow up Canada too. Yeah. So until Argo came out, that was largely quiet that he pulled off something so cool with the help of Canada. So thanks, Canada. And the help of Hollywood. Uh, Rubik's Cube. Yeah, and Hollywood too. Right, Hollywood's very important in the world politics, especially especially nowadays. <laughs> so, uh, the Rubik's Cube made its debut at the International British Toy and Hobby Fair in January. I spelled British Toy and Hobby Fair like English, like with bad teeth. Um, ACDC frontman Bon Scott dies after passing out from drinking too much. That happened early. Like that was either January or February of 1980. Um, so sad times. Sad day. Yeah. Uh, in England, there were some race riots in Bristol due to police raids on this cafe called the Black and White, and they were called the St. Paul's Riots. I never knew about that. You know what? When I was a kid, I was too busy watching G.I. Joe. I was too busy shitting my pants. Yes, exactly. I was probably on my little BMXer. Um, Tobor, you just had an accident in your pants. Um, so yeah, there were some race riots in Bristol. It was basically, Bristol was like... The UK's Detroit, and Detroit in the 80s wasn't all that good either, so there's no. lots of movies about that. Uh, the president of Sicily is killed by the Italian mafia. That's something else. Do you remember like growing up in like the 90s and seeing all these movies about the 70s and 80s, how crazy the mafia was? Yes. And to just think, like I survived the 80s somehow. Like that, When I was reading this list, I was like, oh yeah, shit, I forgot the mafia was a thing in the 80s. Um, a big thing in the 80s. I didn't get into the mafia until after my uh, right. 10th birthday. right. And then you were in the metal militia. After that, I know your whole, I know your whole motorcycle. I know where you're going with this. Um, the first showbiz pizza place opens in Kansas City, Missouri. Showbiz pizza. I've never had one, but I've heard of it. I mean, that's was how, showbiz the one where? No, you're thinking of Chuck E. Cheese. I'm thinking of Chuck E. Yeah, Cheese. Where it was showbiz. Yeah, showbiz. I, I've seen people with shirts and stuff. I think it was a thing like White Castle. You know, I heard of it. Yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden's eponymous debut album is released in the UK, and eponymous just means like self-named for all of you illiterate motherfuckers that ride motorcycles. You mean eponymous? The eponymous. Eponymous. Uh, what if that was the name of the album? <laughs> uh, so that gets released in the UK. Uh, in Philadelphia, mafioso Angelo Bruno is murdered. So 
flashback to like the Scarface slash Godfather days. He probably woke up with a horse head in his bed and he's like, what's this? And then the horse head blew up or some shit. I don't know how he got killed. Uh, May 1980. Brady, we were just here. We were just there, and it was it was yeah, May. What, what happened? Fuck, we went back in February. Holy what did shit! We miss? What did well, we, we might have come back with smallpox. No. May eighth, nineteen eighty. Global eradication of smallpox is certified by the World Health Organization. But here's my prediction: we just went there in February on accident. We probably fucking brought it. We brought back. it back, and now anti-vaxxers. Yes, they're gonna bring it back because of us. Like it's gonna make a comeback because of. So you know what? These fucking anti-vaxxers. <laughs> oh my god! And if they come out with the COVID uh, thing, they're Vaccine. probably gonna not take Don't that either. Need it. Oh. And they're gonna bring back oh leprosy. I, I say bring it all back. Bring it back. back. Four more years. Four bring more years. Bring it back. Um, I will eat you when you're all dead. Now, this is something I didn't know about either because I didn't even live in California yet in 1980, but I heard about this on another podcast, the Norco Shootout. Have you ever heard of the Norco Shootout? No. Oh, fuck. Another California famous. This is what I was saying. History repeats itself, right? So in 1980, uh, there was a... um, the uh, May 9th, approximately 3.40 p.m., five dudes armed with the shotguns, a G3, HK-93s, uh, AR-15s, and a fucking katana. And an improvised explosive device, which back in the 80s we called pipe bombs. Yeah. Um, they robbed the Norco branch of the Security Pacific Bank. Uh, deputies of the Riverside County Sheriff's Department responded to the bank robbery and confronted the perpetrators right outside the bank, and a shootout ensued. If you remember the 1980s, most cops had revolvers, six six to eight bullets, depending on the model. They didn't have these fucking Glocks with, like, extended clips. These motherfuckers had AR-15s, and this is part of the reason why cops are militarized now is because, thanks, 80s. You also used to not have to pay at the pump first, but yeah. people would go and get gas and then bail. Thanks, 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Someone decided to cut all the cocaine. Yeah. Thanks, 80s. Thanks, 80s. Um, make, you can make more money. Thanks, capitalism in the yeah. 80s. So anyway, these dudes, uh, they, they stole a vehicle in the parking lot right after the shootout. Uh, the, the cops killed one of them, and then the other four gets away in, in, by stealing this rando vehicle because we used to leave the keys in the cars when you went to the bank. Thanks, 80s. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, the kids so wouldn't die in the car because we had the windows rolled down. Thanks, 80s. And hmm. then there was a bunch of child-like abductions. So eh, I don't know. You know, maybe not thanks, 80s Thanks. But thanks, no, 80s. Thanks. So these dudes made it all the way out, 25-mile <clears throat> car chase into San Bernardino County where the Riverside County deputies were joined by the California Highway Patrol, all the California law bureaus. This is a big thing because cops only had shotguns and pistols back in those days. Um, so they're chasing them down. The Highway Patrol is chasing them down. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's chasing them down. And they let, ambushed the cops out in Lytle Creek. You know where Lytle Creek is? No. No, the reason I even brought this story and dug into the details of it is because I Are we in Lytle Creek right now? We are not. Okay. But I wanted to take my SCR out there because it's dirt. It's a it's a dirt... Uh, it's like one of the only like dirt roads in, Calif- in this part of California still that you can just literally drive. So as Brady's getting attacked by dogs over here... Tobor, can you... Can you uh, undo one of these dogs? Hey! You idiots! <laughs> Hey, you guys. Listen, we're trying to do a recorded show here. No. No trick. No, Tobor, that was our dogs. Why did he do that? I was just joking. It's just a barking dog. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. This might be a good time to drink some booze. Yes. If you have booze, right now would be a good, great time to drink it. 
I heard that was her ghost barking. <laughs> that's, that's that was says. the neighbor crying he, over the he door. He only got one of them. Tobor's, even though Tobor is basically a computer game, he's not that good. He, no, no double kill. Uh, so anyway, Lytle Creek, now that we... Um, if you want to throw that dead dog corpse into the gutter or the flower bed, maybe it'll compost over there. I might snack on it later, yeah. so let's just leave it there. Right. Uh, well. Hey, that was my favorite part. Yeah. That was the uh, that I, hangnail that dog had. That was its spleen, crunchy Ooh. spleen. Yeah. Um, so Lytle Creek is a, is like a, a dirt road, and you can go off roading. And I thought maybe if I could convince Wiggins to take his new Subaru out there, we could actually have some bro time because he hasn't been hanging lately. What part of town is Lytle Creek? It's, it's right where Azusa the two fifteen hits the uh, the Cajon okay. Pass up there. Okay. It was probably at one time part of, you know, when they were like. People living up there building the old uh, Route 66 or some shit. Cool. But so that's where these bad guys came, and that's why I even brought it up. I was like, oh yeah, look at this shit. It's sort of like the guys that used to hang out in the um, up there in Agua Dulce. What was that? Yeah, like the ga- the Agua Dulce gang. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the name of those the weird rock formations out there? Vasquez Rocks. Oh. When oh. Vasquez came. The Vasquez Gang. Yes. Remember, that was a rock band. Vasquez Rockers? Vasquez <laughs> a rock band. They used to, they, they, were, they came out against the James Gang. Yeah, they did. And then eventually the Agua Dulce Gang won, and that's the name of the town now. Yep. <laughs> hey, dig this, dude. 1980, Miami <laughs> Race Riots. You ever hear about this shit? There was race riots in the 80s, Yeah, too? I know. Ugh. The 60s, the 80s. The more the, things change. Yeah, I know. The more they stay the same. So listen, we're going to back up a little bit to 79. In the early morning hours of December 17th, 1979, some police officers pursued a 33-year-old Arthur McDuffie. He was an insurance executive and a former Marine. He was riding a black and orange 1973 Kawasaki motorcycle. What was the only black and orange Kawasaki from 73? Kawasaki 73. It this, must have been the G3. This motherfucker was on the original Z1. Oh, my God. That, they made an orange one? Yeah. In 73? Yeah. It had four cylinders? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. It was either like the um, it was either the fucking Mach 3 or the uh, Z1. Was it a two-stroke? I don't, well, I, didn't, no. I don't know. They didn't tell me in this story. All right. But, well, let's get the, let's yeah, find so, out who writes this shit. Right. So he led. He allegedly led police on an eight-minute high-speed chase through residential streets at speeds of over eighty miles an hour. Nowadays, people just drive on the streets at eighty <laughs> miles an hour. But I guess in nineteen eighty, when you see a black dude on a motorcycle, you get him. Um, so the officers involved was Ira Diggs, which already sounds like a nineteen thirties fucking banjo player. Yep. Like I could just imagine like the whitest white guy. Uh, William Hanlon, Michael Watts, and Alex Marrero. They later filed a report claiming that he had run a red light, and that's why they were uh, chasing him down. They also said he lost control of his motorcycle while making a turn and then attempted to flee on foot. So they caught him and a scuffle ensued. And when he kicked Officer Biggs, uh, they got into a little scuffle. Well, by the end of the struggle, the officers had, in the words of the prosecutor at the trial, cracked McDuffie's skull like an egg. Icky. And so he was transported to a nearby hospital where he died four days later. The coroner's report concluded that he had suffered multiple skull fractures and... 
The police deliberately ran over the motorcycle with a patrol car in order to break its gauges and make it look like he crashed. And the medical examiner, uh, Dr. Ronald White, was uh, right, was like, hey, McDuffie's injuries, they're not consistent with the motorcycle crash. They're consistent with, like, a gang beating. A proper beating. Yeah, and if he fell off the motorcycle... Uh, it wouldn't make sense that both gauges were broken anyway. Like, the, the other damage on the motorcycle wasn't consistent with the crash either. It was consistent with getting ran over. Oh, no, Tobor. Put the gun down, Tobor. Put the gun down, Tobor. Oh, Get no, Tobor. Tobor's... Now the other dog is going to be uh, dead meat. Save Don't yourself. Save yourself, dog. Go. <laughs> right. I'm opening the oh, gate. Get shit. out of here. So, anyway... These race riots over cops beating uh, a guy to death in 1980, uh, you know, were the deadliest riots since the 1960s. And uh, at, least, at least they fixed everything and there's no more police brutality. So at least oh. they served a purpose, you know what I'm saying? And um, actually they were the deadliest... Um, they were the deadliest since the civil rights in the 1960s, but the 1992 L.A. riots 12 years later would... Uh, <laughs> put them to shame. So uh, they're just getting deadlier and deadlier, it seems. Um, Mount St. Helens, I don't know. I didn't know any of this shit happened. And partially because what was the big news of 1980? Mount St. Helens uh, erupted. Exploded, yeah. yeah. And I remember that at that time I had come out here to visit somebody in California and there was ash raining all the way down in San Diego from, That's crazy. from Washington. Um, yeah, it was nuts. And I'm sure there was a, a volcanic cloud like that wiped out the uh, I, whatever surviving dinosaurs like the Loch Ness monster. I'm sure they died. All that yeah. shit. Those three pterodactyls hanging out in Seattle. <laughs> right. Uh, what they were, were painted themselves like eagles to survive. They yeah those they were dead. Um, so CNN hits the airwaves in 1980. So uh, li- I don't know if it was liberal or or uh, conservative back in the day, but it was a brand new news station. And their very first story was the previous day's assassination attempt of Vernon Jordan in Fort Wayne, Indiana. (laughs) Vernon Jordan was a civil rights advocate who was shot by this guy named J.C. Vaughn, who went by the alias of John Paul Franklin. He turned out to be a white supremacist and a serial killer. Like, talk about two... Two of the worst wrapped up in one person. He tried to kill this guy because he was probably speaking out against the race riots, but also he tried to shoot Larry Flint. You know what? You know how Larry Flint was in a wheelchair? Yeah. This fucking guy did it. Larry Flint had published. How did he do that? Didn't he get in trouble from the first one? Well, no. He was a serial killer all through the 70s and the 80s because DNA evidence didn't exist yet. So they didn't know how to catch a a killer. Um, So he was getting away with killing. black people and interracial couples and that's why he shot Larry Flint is because um, he didn't like that he published interracial sex in Hustler so I was like holy shit 80 was a fucking crazy year one of the best things to come out of it was the SR250 all this other shit can go straight to hell yeah Um, Augusta, Missouri Yes. Becomes an AVA. Do you know what an AVA is? It's like a vent uh, what is it called? God damn it it's a Ventological or something thing is before Napa Valley was an AVA. Augusta, Missouri was the very first AVA in the United States. It's where you grow wine. You're certified that it's wine territory, wine country. So I always thought Napa, but no. Back in the middle of the fucking country is uh, where where the real um, shit lives. Listen, they're gonna grow grapes or grain or anything that'll get us fucked up in any place they can. So and I'm all for it. That doesn't surprise me. I am all fucking for it. Me too. Um, Tim Berners Lee. He worked on this coding language called Enquire 
back in 1980. You may know him as a simple hypertext language, by the way. You may know in nine, 10 years later, in 1990, they called it the Internet. And so he started working on this shit in 1980. His name is Tim, and he called it the Information Mine. And he's like, oh, people are going to think I'm naming it Tim. So he called, wanted to call it the Mine of Information. And he's like, oh, that's MOI. That's moi in French, they're going to think. So anyway, he's like, it's more like a net or a web. You know, they both catch fish, spider webs and, and fish nets. They all catch fish. So we'll just call it the net or the, or the World Wide Web. So neither one has stuck, but they both work. So yeah, 10 years later, it was a thing. Uh, welcome, AOL. <laughs> so, uh, Queen releases The Game, which was their eighth studio album, which features Another One Bites the Dust. And right after that, ACDC releases Back in Black in July, fucking seven months after their lead singer dies. So, they were getting pressured by their record company. They're like, listen, fucktards, you got seven months to get a new singer and put out a new a One new of the album. greatest albums And ever. they fucking did it, right. And that guy, like, you can't tell one from the other hardly, so... Sorry, sorry, Bon. <laughs> I wonder how many times they're called. Yeah! I know. I wonder how many times nobody can remember Brian Johnson's name, though. They're like, huh. So another thing that happened, the Audi Quattro all-wheel drive sports car launches in West Germany. And if you remember, in 1980, there was two Germanys. Do you remember that shit? It's a West and an East. Yeah. I remember watching the Olympics that year and being like, why are all the East Germans, like, in gray? Like, they were communists, you know? Like, it was crazy. Um, Empire Strikes Back. Gets released in the USA. Uh, 1980 Playboy Playmate of the Year, Dorothy Stratton. It's kind of sad. She gets murdered by her estranged husband, who then committed suicide. But my thing is, A, she was a playmate. And B, it's probably the last time a playmate was named Dorothy. <laughs> 1980. You just don't hear that name anymore. Um, August 17th, 1980. A dingo ate my baby. You know, you're familiar with that phrase? I am. Right. It's become like a, a funny little meme in uh, the 20th century, but uh, or the 21st century. But while on a camping trip to Uluru, two-month-old uh, Azaria Chamberlain is stolen by a dingo and eaten. And after two inquests and a sensational trial that went down in 1982, they took two years to gather all the information. In 1982, her mother, Lucy Chamberlain, or Lindy Chamberlain, rather, is sentenced to life in prison for the murder of that baby. And her, her father, who was like an accessory after the fact, uh, was sentenced to like life parole or some shit like that. Jeez. So they appealed several times, but it never happened. And like they were all out of options. And right as they, they were on their very last appeal, they were never going to let them appeal again. Somebody went out there in 86 and discovered the baby's clothes in this area that was just like rife with dingo layers. And they got, they're like, oh shit. And they got him and they brought it back and a medical examiner examined him and was like, yeah, this is the baby's clothes. Whoops. They, uh, they did a couple investigations and determined that a dingo uh, attack, the remains were consistent with the dingo attack. And that fucking area was just like nothing but dingo condominiums right so like oops sorry that you got life sentence and were in jail for the last six years um so they did another third inquest just to make sure it proved that the baby had been taken and eaten like the parents said she was released from prison finally two years later in 88 so she spent like almost a whole decade in, in prison for not killing her baby and then a coroner coroner's examination ruled that their accounts were correct and they gave him a death certificate finally in 2012. So Dingo Ate My Baby, that shit happened in fucking 1980 for real. Wow, the yeah. 80s. There's yeah. so much that happened. No shit. And then a few gotta... car companies went out of um, 
A few car companies went out of business. This is the biggest, besides Mount St. Helens, this is one of the biggest, this is how the, the 80s weren't just white because of cocaine, the copious amounts of cocaine going around and Wall Street. They were also very white because Mount St. Helens blew up. Yep. And I can't think of a whiter thing than to be, have a snowy mountain rain white ash all over everything. But the second biggest worldwide event was who shot Jr. Do you remember that shit? I don't. I do, I do remember all of that. Yeah. Um, I remember how big it was. But I, I was not watching it at four years old. When I moved to California, I, I got a shirt that said who shot Jr. So it was still a thing when I moved here from oh, Arkansas. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, so that's the 80s in a nutshell. I can't think of any other way to describe the 80s. And maybe a rusty trombone. Maybe. Yeah, the 80s were a very rusty trombo. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, so, see, Tybor, you are... Uh, he's on it. You're honest. You're wise beyond your years, pal. Yeah. Hi, Brady. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hi. So hey, how's let's it talk about some motorcycle shit. That's, so, so 1980 was crazy. So imagine all that crazy shit. It feels like this year. Like this year, there's been so much crazy shit. Yeah, it is crazy. Let's talk about the motorcycles that came out. Because maybe in, in 40 maybe, years from yeah. now, they'll be talking about the motorcycles that came out in 2020 when all this shit was going down. Maybe yeah. some asshole will have a podcast called Creative... Uh, Inter uh, internetting or something. I don't know. Uh, so 1980 motorcycle of the year, according to Cycle World, because I really couldn't find that many magazines that you're allowed to go back and like look at their shit. This was like on a fish. I actually went to a library. You can get these at the KZ 550, which mm. I actually have parked right back here, deteriorating slowly as a piece of yard art right now. It's going to become a Bosasoku bike by next March. Um, that was the new leader in high-performance small bores, basically, you know, like the small inline fours, like the beginning of like a super sport, right? Not a super sport, a super, uh, yeah, a super sport, like a 600. Lightweight super sport. Yeah, you know, like they evolved into 600s, but they started out as like 450s, 400s, 500, all that shit. So the KZ 550 was their choice, mostly because that GPZ 550, but also the regular KZ was pretty cool. It was like, you know, they, they said it hit dead center of um, the target for like what like a powerful little bike could be because you used to have to have huge super bikes back to get lots of power and they started doing new shit and these little 550s were were starting to beat stuff bigger stuff up because they were lighter and a little bit more manageable the gpz 550 also had fuel injection so it was like leading edge for like 1980 you know um the honda hawk 400 um they picked that as just like a good standard class and they said it's not because the Honda Hawk was an awesome motorcycle, especially that 400. It's just because all the other ones suck so bad. And Hondas <laughs> just make really good motorcycles, so the Hawk wins. Um, the GL1100 Interstate, which was the Goldwing Interstate. I couldn't tell you what was different about the Interstate. Maybe the I know it had a big fairing where the very first Goldwing didn't even have a fairing on it. The Interstate did. Um, and maybe some bags or some shit added to it that the original one didn't. But they said that that was the best touring bike before baggers were a thing. So uh, before Harley-Davidson, even though Harleys had the FLH touring models, the Goldwing is kind of what started baggers. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the and GS, touring for sport. Yeah, right, right. And aftermarket, you know, partnerships and all that shit. Because Honda didn't, didn't make a fairing for it, but Vetter did. And Honda bought Vetter fairings and then sold them on their factory bikes. Um, the Suzuki GS1100E, I know you probably have to be a big fan of Suzuki GSs. I had one. Yeah. The no, I had a G. 
Oh, the 1100 G. So what was the difference? No, no, the two. E. There's the E, the G, and then there was a regular with no letters. It all it was different sports packages mm-hmm. or cruiser packages and stuff like right. that. I imagine the G was like a. The E was a little bit more of, you know, pinstripes and the reserved kind of, you know, brown colors. I don't know if it was specifically a uh, touring model, but yeah. I think the G was more of a sport model. Yeah. Because it didn't have a fairing and it was bad of the bone and drag bars. and Yeah. So the GS1100E specifically was the super bike of the year for that year. And yeah, you're right. It wasn't really like... It looked more like a commuter bike, but that's what super bikes kind of started out as. Yeah, and the, some of them had sort of the bigger handles, so yeah. you kick back, and it had sort of the cushy kind of uh, laid-back cruiser sort of seat versus just the flat, yeah. you know, sport version. Right. Because I imagine on the sport version, you're you're going real fast and being cool, and then the <laughs> on the laid-back version, you're just you know, cruising, cruising. You're hanging out. So the E featured a four-valve per-cylinder head, and it had that twin-swirl compression chamber, and it was the first, what they called the first modern sport bike, uh, where it's like a performance package mixed in with like four valves per cylinder and all that great shit. It won Cycle World's uh, Superbike of the Year consecutively until 1983. So it was a, the 1100E has a lot of fans, right? Um, the Honda CB750F uh, was also one of their, their best, like, heavyweight bike or whatever it was um now notice super bikes were a thousand and up right because this is when this when everything started getting bigger and so the 750 now what was like a super bike a couple years ago or would have been like a bigger bike is getting displaced by a lot of 1100s at the time and so now it's just the good like standard bike the f was the first one um with a the first four cylinder with a 16 valve head um and I guess that was like the F's claim to fame. So it, it won their their bike, their like medium bike, medium weight bike for 1980. And as we all know, the original CB750 was the original quote super bike until everything started going up to 1000s and up. Um, the Honda HL500S. I don't even remember this fucking bike, but HL500. it it got the best enduro. So I'm guessing it was kind of like the Yamaha XT500. You know what I'm saying? And that was a Honda HL. Yeah, HL 500S, and it was an it was an enduro, meaning it had headlight, taillight, like the XT. Yeah, so I never, I've never seen one, but it got their best enduro for that year. And eventually, what would become like larger bikes and an ADV class now, right? Like you didn't have ADV back then. Well, you had it was probably enduros. before the XR. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That would have been right before the XR because the XR also came out in the mid eighties. Um, the best big motocross bike was the Yamaha YZ465. Is that the one they called the jackhammer? Because it was so fucking hard. The shocks, it was yeah. like holding onto a jackhammer and giving it throttle. Well, I believe it was a two-stroke. Yeah, probably the YZs all, all were, I believe, yeah. And you get a two-stroke that's got 465, you're long gone. <laughs> yeah. Sayonara. <laughs> um, the KDX250 from Yamaha, uh... I, I didn't hear any accolades. There was nothing in it. It just said KDX, and I looked it up online, and it was like one year redesign dropped, or like two-year bike, and people were like, yeah, it was a bike. Apparently, it was like one of the only 250 um, regular you know bikes out there that wasn't like a sp- race special or anything like that, so it just had to win. Uh, the Can-Am 250 MX-6 was... Well, Can-Am used to be king of the hill in the 70s leading up to the 80s, but by 1980... 
they had fallen so far behind. Um, Cycle World named the MX-6 the motocrosser of the year, but then that bike went on to be named the worst bike of all time by several dirt bike mags and by all the owners. It was plagued with seizures, broken kickstarts, kind of like the Ascot 500, like you get the box of rocks, they call it, when you hit the, you're hitting the uh, kickstarter and all you hear is like nuts rattling around in a tin can. And you're like, oh, geez. Um so apparently it was a really shitty bike, and I was reading this article, and they're like, yeah, we picked it as Motocrosser of the Year because apparently we got a really good test model, which just like when you're ordering like a prototype from a factory, of course they're going to give you the Primo one. They're not going to give you like the 20 speed, you know, speed uh, rapid prototypes that they made. They're going to give you the really, really good refined one. So that's yep. probably what happened. Um, and then the YZ125 got the best starter dirt bike, and it kind of still is in a lot of ways. I love it. Yeah. So that wraps up the 1980s. Um, if you could go back to 1980, would you? I, I, to me, it sounds like we're already there. So fuck it. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to 1980 and roll up this, light up the spliff right, right here. Let's do it. And I'm gonna roll up this dollar bill and do some cocaine off a hooker's back. Oh, get that hooker <laughs> over here to light this thing for that me. That was the 80s, man. That was how you did it in the 80s. Uh, yeah, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come back with the Isle of Man. How's that? Yeah. Tired of hanging out in the garage with buddies and not knowing what they're talking about? Do you have inferior knowledge of carburetors or electrical systems? What about grilling beef, guns, or other manly things? Now RP Enterprises has you covered. Introducing Mantriloquist. Mantriloquist is a monthly subscription service that puts an expert right in your head. The next time you're in the garage throwing back some suds with your buds and the conversation takes a turn into uncharted waters, just text pound 33976 on your cell phone and wait for the magic to happen. The experts in our call center are available 24 hours a day. They spring into action via our patented two-way earpiece. They'll listen in on your conversations to make sure you don't sound like the village idiot in front of your friends. Our discreet communications protocol means that your pals won't hear a thing except for you delivering all the right answers. Now, you don't have to be afraid to join the conversation when topics come up like fuel pumps, inverters, clitoris, drywall, sniper rifles, and so much more. Mandriloquist will put you back in the game instead of holding your purse in the corner. So, man up with Mandriloquist. Requires a three-month minimum subscription. Not available for women. They generally don't care or are not afraid to ask questions. Not available in Guam or Burkina Faso. Standard messaging and data rates apply. Money back guaranteed. Call now to order. been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clawman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clawman Pickle in your face. Clawman's guaranteed. Clawman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clawman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. Ah. Uh. Bob and Pickles. Hey, Brady, before yes. you leave, Tobor, will you... Tobor, no. The dog is barking at a squirrel. Don't kill our only remaining dog. They're looking at those birds. Oh, God, the crows. She hates squirrels and crows. We got to get those crows out of there. God damn it. Hold on. Crows. You sit there and operate the board. I'm going to help Tibor get those crows. Tibor, don't. Put the shotgun down unless you're aiming at the... Tibor, put that at the... You better be pointing that at the crows. <laughs> oh, yeah, T-Bar. Run, Brady, run. <laughs> um, hey, 
I'm sorry he called you Tibor. I know he meant Tobor, but Brady is highly fucking stoned right now. So, and uh, that dog's just uh, anyway. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some fun stuff that the Sweet Talkers got going on. But right now he's infatuated with our dogs, and I can't yeah. blame him. They are fucking cute. Um, and yeah, Brady did a better job of chasing the crows off. So before he... Did you see my patented method? Since you're high as a kite, I'm going to throw a collar on you, convince you you're a dog, and you're just going to have to stay here and chase those crows off. I did. You went out there and acted like a scarecrow. I said, and hey, hit the road, crows. And they did it. And they're like, fuck, he's on to us. Yeah, he knows we're not the telephone pole. We better get the fuck out of here. That one gave me the stink eye. I think he thought he was going to stay, but his buddy took off and he was lonely. I don't want you to get freaked out, but Tobor had that shotgun awfully level. He wasn't pointing up, let's just say that. That's why I was was zigzagging. I think uh, at first I thought I was zigzagging to get rid of the crows, but then it was uh, to avoid the shotgun. Yeah, I thought you were trying to mess the dog poop over there, but then I was like, no, Brady's just stumbling through the yard. That's, That's apropos. Um, so, <laughs> hey, let's talk about Isle of Man. You know about Isle of Man, and uh, then I want to talk about Brady Walker a little more. So, an event that you mean we're actually, Isle of Man, Miss Mrs. Man from uh, Isle of Man. Yeah, oh, she was Isla. a great. She was on the Great British Bake Off, Isle of Man. <laughs> uh, right now, we're missing the goddamn. 2020 Isle of Man Manx TT, TT. Um, and although and the Manx TTs are the older bikes, right? Well, yeah, I know. I, I thought I should specify that the oh, Isle okay. of Man is, is Manx, but yeah, the Manx TT is an actual thing. So maybe I shouldn't get too specific when it makes it. We uh, just we just watched the um, 2019 TT. Yeah. Oh my god, um, it's uh, pretty intense, and uh, like uh, every year, like Caroline and Sean, my um, my wife and our friends uh, quarantining with us, we were talking about this and they're like, well, what does make this make such a big deal about it? And I said, well, that guy's going 200 miles an hour mm-hmm. and there ain't any runner off. That's a brick wall right there. Yeah. So uh, the first race came up into the second or third lap because they only do two or three laps. It's 25 miles long the loop and depending on the class they do i think three to six laps but uh, they had a red flag and they're like i wonder if they're going to end the race here because there was already so much racing going on they said oh yep they're going to end it there and uh the red flag was because this guy is dead yeah and that, and that happens every year every year yeah. multiple guys yeah so um yeah, last year was one of the wettest years as well. I almost said the word of the week, by the way. We would have had to ace one of these cats. I got lucky. Tobor is just over there. The cats doing a, got lucky. Yeah. I think Tobor is trigger happy yeah, after trying to. He was doing a robotic smirk over there. He wasn't going to stop me. He was going to let it go. So last year was one of the uh, wettest years. So bad that they had to push what normally happens like on Friday or Saturday, the very beginning practice. They mm-hmm. got pushed to the next week, and then they had to combine – the, the racing basically takes place on three uh, we, three nights during the week. They were offset by two days. Uh, and so, like, you're waiting for the Monday thing to come out, and it wasn't coming out till Wednesday. And Wednesdays got pushed to Friday, Friday to back to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then it would rain again, you know what I'm saying? So it was, it was incredibly wet. Uh, they still had a couple dry days, which is so weird because it could be dry at the bottom and wet at the top, too. And that, that was a lot of stuff. I was really rooting. I just read um, in the, at the end of 2018, I had read uh, Michael Dunlop's biography, and he just lost his brother in 2018 before the book was written. Obviously, well, he wrote the book, rather, I'm sorry, and it came out, and then his brother died over, over the summer. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm reading it right, right just a few weeks after his brother had died. And um, 
And yeah, so I was really rooting for him, but he didn't do so well. And that's just how the TT goes as well. Like you never know who's going to do what. It's pretty heavy-duty stuff what they were doing out there. Right. And uh, it seemed like, yeah, most of the racing was very dry. They were going very, very fast and rained that whole week. Um, from what I understood, uh, from not the Manx, but the other TT, the modern TT, um, they just missed out on a lot of practice. Yeah. And so they went out with rigs that hadn't uh, been tested for five days in a row. So That's exactly what happened. And then the racing they would have, instead of like the one or two races a day, man, they would cram in. They're like, you know what? When's it going to rain again? We have no idea. Let's race as many possible classes as we can today. And they would never normally do that under normal circumstances, which partially led to abbreviated races and partially also could have led to some of the... Uh, there's always accidents, so it's not it's not an excuse for the accidents that happen. It's just like, you know, we got to make hay while the sun's shining, quite literally. Everyone's just get together. It's the same thing what we do in Arma. Uh, you know, it might rain really badly, and they can't race, and they get together, and because it's not a, so many people, they can have a meeting with all the racers, and everyone throw up their hand. Do you want to race in the rain, or you want to do two races on Sunday, back-to-back? Yeah. And uh, they make the decision. Yeah, that's good. I like leaving it in the riders' hands because they're the ones that ultimately are going to pay the price, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're missing it. They canceled it early this year. They, they straight away said we're going to cancel it, um, which is crazy because it's kind of like people start making reservations the year or two before, right? It's kind of like getting camping reservations at Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Um, so, although racing on the aisle actually precedes the TT, um, the motorcycle races as we know them – as the the TT have been held since 1907, they've been racing motorcycles back when they were basically bicycles. So in that late late 1800s, they started racing stuff. They're probably uh, carrot carts and coal coal wheelbarrows and shit. Then the very first motorcycles and cars. And Isle of Man was actually a proving grounds for a lot of endurance because you're right, the course is actually 37 miles oh, long. Oh, 37. I'm sorry. And um. That's a long, you know, that's a pretty long stretch of road. You do that a few times. That's, you know, they would do endurance races there uh, with cars and motorcycles and all that stuff. Um, And so the only time the TT has ever been canceled, even during World War One, was from 1940 to 45 for World War Two. And it's because they had like half the population of uh, the U.K., hiding on the Isle of Man, right? So they couldn't do the races. But even in World War One they did race they did the races there and stuff. So World War One wasn't quite as like World War as like number two was. Yeah. Number two was worse. Right. So normally right now I'd be tuning into Manx Radio, giving you guys updates uh, every oh, week. Instead uh, you're just changing right. diapers. Right. And exactly. My own because my kids the dog shit out my of kids here. are eight and ten. They didn't I, I, I know you don't have kids. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, I know you don't know how kids work, but 8 and 10, they're out of diapers. It's me, though. Yeah, you're right. Um, so Peter Hickman, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. He's the new fast man. He beat Ian. Uh, I think he holds the high speed right now. Him and Dean Harrison are going back and forth. Uh, the brothers of Ryan and Callum Crow last year, uh, they didn't win, but they came out. They're just kids, and they came out and like got fifth out of like you know how many people enter the TT is like forty. So way to go! Um, so this year, you know, we're missing it. So flashback to nineteen eighty. Let's since we're on nineteen eighty with the uh, with the SR two fifty and with the um, other news stuff that we went over. Let's talk about the nineteen eighty Isle of Man TT. It marked the emergence of Joey Dunlop, according to IOMTT.com. Now Dun- 
uh, Dunlop won the classic TT on a quote scruffy looking Yamaha and he set a new course record at 115 miles an hour. And I think that was on a fucking 250. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, that's average speed around the track. Yeah, yeah, that's average speed. So you're Correct. going w- like the average speed now is a little over 130. I think it's 131 or 132, but that's going 200 miles an hour for most of it and then slowing down to like 10, Go 15, 20 for the hairpins in town, right? Avoid cows yeah i said the hair pies in town but i meant the hair pins oh um, i don't avoid those i oh, go yeah. straight for everybody hits the hair pies in town um so yeah the the uh, uh that year um uh joey dunlop start you know he's he's been racing since the 70s but he starts to make his moves in the 80s because that guy this is one of those races too where there's guys that are like 50 he saw years the 80s old. coming and he yeah. said i'm gonna wait he's like dude this is fucked i up. see this shit happening <laughs> i heard I'm creative just, writing I'm they talk, <laughs> this shit was shitty they were talking about i'm gonna take a break so yeah he he started racing in the 70s but he really in the 80s and even the 90s was uh he didn't die until 2000 and i swear he was like 67 when he died you know what i'm saying like these these guys that race the tt are old some of them um so yeah he set a record that year mick grant actually finished second in the classic that year and ron haslam yes that haslam oh uh finished third it wasn't his brother mandy nope Mandy Haslam did not come in. His brother Mandy, I love that. <laughs> um, but that is the song Mandy that Barry Manilow wrote was about. That's why uh, I brought it up. Mandy it's Haslam, the 80s. right? It was yeah. right around that time. Barry, uh, you were on it. So the Formula One TT, which is nowadays called like the Senior, Mick Grant won that. Uh, on a works Honda earlier in the week, he battled it out with Graham Crosby, who was from New Zealand on a Yamaha, no, a Suzuki maybe, uh, who took a controversial win. Crosby was on a works Suzuki, and apparently it was a really well fought out duel. Um, Sam Clements came in third, just two seconds and two hundredths of a mile an hour slower than Crosby. So the TT is like you go, you wait 10 seconds, you go. So even though you might not pass a guy on the track it's all down to your time on the track not necessarily how many people you pass the fast guys start passing people and that's right. always um pretty iffy too but right. if you get a chance to watch it they throw up they've got so many volunteers in the hundreds and people that are corner marshals and whatnot and if someone's coming up to pass even if they're not going fly they put up the blue lights on some some parts but they also have people that throw up the blue flag and yeah. that rider knows get the hell over yeah because you don't have at 200 miles an hour you turn your head to look and it's ripping you off the motorcycle yeah. you know what i'm saying um so uh so yeah, here was the deal. So it was a controversial win, um, and basically, here's what happened: is uh, so Clements came in third. Oh, so so the thing about making it just two two seconds and two hundredths of a mile an hour slower than Crosby is you're going for the fastest time, and the fact that he was only two seconds mean that he caught up. He he made up eight seconds on the dude, but he didn't make up those final two seconds to take the position. So it was a really crazy, well fought out um, race. Graham Crosby contested the win, stating that Mick Grant had filled up his fuel tank with tennis balls to limit the capacity during like tech or something like that Mm -hmm. and then um when it came time to for the actual race he empties all the tennis balls out and gets like an extra gallon of gas which got him an uh either he skipped a 
pit stop or he didn't have to ever let off. You know, when you're doing that fast, you kind of like have to think, oh shit, where can I like kind of like ease off? And and he's like, this guy just went balls out the whole time because he was had a fake gas tank. Like he had a bigger gas tank than he teched with because he filled it with tennis balls. And when they filled it up to see how much volume it had, it only came out to like two gallons or whatever their thing was. So then he takes all these tennis balls out and gets a third. So he was just ham wide open. So they contested it. It didn't stick. He The guy still, uh, Mick Grant was still the winner. Um, but but it was like even then like politics and all the you know how all the old guys love to cheat if you're not if you're not cheating you're not racing right so all these old guys love to do this shit um, Crosby uh, won the soup the senior TT on a Suzuki with Steve Cole and Steve Ward making a Suzuki sweep of the podium and the race didn't start out that way initially Ian Richards who was also on a Suzuki led for most of the race. Um, he fell less than two seconds behind Crosby heading into the last lap, which means he made up eight seconds on the guy, which means he basically had passed his time. But then a gearbox at Ballacrane uh, forced him to go park it on the side of the road, and he went from the race leader to DNF just like that. So that you what? never know. As long as you survive, you've won the TT in my eyes. But Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> not really. Right. Not really. You, lo- you lose. Yeah. You lose her. And so Joey Dunlop snuck in for a top 10 finish. I think he was like ninth or something on his Yamaha. He didn't come into his 26 win prominence. And that's the record right now, 26. I think John McGinnis has 24, so he's creeping or 23. But it's still so fucking hard, even for these top-notch guys to win. Because you you only get to do it, like you were saying, like we were saying, every year is a different... Uh, a different challenge. And yeah, weather. Weather. So even though John McGinnis is only three races away, he's eight, he hasn't really won one in a few years, and it's kind of looking after he's all these injuries he's had and the bikes that he's been on. Like he'll he'll win another one. He might have to settle for. for he might have had grand, grandchildren born that uh, he wants to see. Yeah, exactly. And live, and live on his exactly. old ages with. Um, so yeah, so that shit happens and as long as you survive, you're good. But yeah, DN, I'd rather DNF than DNCH, which is do not come home. <laughs> um, Charlie Williams was the man of the weekend. He won two races on his, uh, 250 Yamaha. He took victory in the formula two class, uh, riding at the front from flag to flag, start to finish. And then he jumped on his racing 250 and took the undisputed win in the junior TT. I don't think they have a 250 class there anymore, um, unless you do the Manx or the classic TT. Um, And then Danny Robinson and Steve Tompkin finished second and third on Yamahas and a cotton. Have you ever heard of a cotton? I have. Oh, yeah. And I have an article that I read about cottons a while ago. There's fascinating little 250s uh, doing like, I don't know, like, I don't know, 10,000 RPM to do like 60 miles an hour. They're great. Um, and then uh, Joey, Joey Dunlop didn't even place then. So, I mean, it, it's not like he had – it just depends. He became a great, but that year he wasn't. Um, Wiz McZips took the uh, Formula sidecar while Krubby Williams won Formula 3 by a country mile and a city block. And um, that's the Island Man in a nutshell. Now, we're about to get eaten by mosquitoes, so let's make this fast. Yes. I shitted all over Nikki Hayden last week, and we just celebrated Nikki Hayden Day, which was 6-9 in Owensboro, Kentucky. So I don't think that anyone – I figured let's – since we're talking about the TT, let's shit all over a TT icon. Do you know who I'm going to shit on this week? Oh, my gosh. Let's do it. The talking Wolverine himself, Guy Martin. Now, Tobor, Guy I know – Guy Martin. Yeah. Do you know Guy Martin? I, I, I know I know not, lots of nice things. I don't know how I can shit on him. How All are you right. going to shit on Guy Martin? He's a, such a nice guy. <laughs> right, well, that's the thing. He is a nice guy, but so is Nikki Hayden. 
And I'm gonna I didn't shit hear on your show, and you shit on Nikki Hayden. Yeah. He's fucking dead, bro. Uh, that's why I shit. He can't come at me now. <laughs> oh my god, he's dead. No, I didn't I, know what I was signing up by coming over here today. I, did I didn't know it was this kind of show. It. I did them because his his passing was last couple weeks when I did the show. Okay, so, so what I mean, you're saying is by shitting on him, you're honoring him. I did. I uh, okay. I shitted honor him. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, the guy here's the here's the fact about Nikki Hayden. Why I shitted on him. Okay. He only won three times in this whole MotoGP career. 15 years with three That's wins. True, loser. Yeah, what a fucking stank. So His father was a badger and his mother was superwoman. Who oh. are you talking about, Guy Martin or Nikki Hayden at this point? Because that... Guy Martin was partially cybernetic. I believe it. And he has Asperger's, so Tobor is onto something. Tobor really likes Guy Martin. Um, so I'm going to shit on him this week. Um, initially, uh, just, you know, I really liked the yammering Wolverine. That's what I used to call him because he had those big sideburns. He looked like a, he looked like a badger. That's probably why he said that. Um, but I've kind of gone to feel like it's a little bit of a sporting disappointment. Much like when I started to analyze Nikki Hayden, I felt like Nikki Hayden was a little bit of a disappointment. And it sucks to say that because he was one of the last great Americans in MotoGP. But him and Colin Edwards were basically, when you average out their finishes, kind of on the same. They were about 10th place uh, if you average their whole career uh, into one place. Um, so anyway, uh, much like Valentino Rossi is becoming in my eyes as well. I'm sorry to shit on another icon. I hope Brady doesn't just leave. But I'm out of here. Guy didn't do it in Italian diva style. He's still quite a grafter, which is like one of his terms. And at least he's gone on to write and produce a bunch of books and works and travels. And he's done a bunch of other things to satisfy his speed cravings. So to say Guy Martin isn't fast would be a lie because he's fast, but he's not necessarily a winner. Just like Nicky Hayden, he excelled in other race series that were very prestigious in their own rights, but he never, ever took the t premier class by storm. And Nicky did win a MotoGP title, so I'll give him that. But... Uh, only off of three wins, and that year was a glorious fluke because the rest in, in the other 15 years of his GP uh, career, his best year was like a fifth, you know, or maybe third, third and fifth, and then like the other 12 years of nothingness. So guy, he has never ever won the Isle of Man TT ever any any race at the Isle of Man, but he's the biggest star of the Isle of Man. If you ask anybody the Isle of Man, oh yeah, Joey Dunlop, John McGinnis, and, and Guy Martin, and you're like, how did Guy Martin make this fucking list? I'll tell you how. Have you seen his hair? Uh, yes. He's got wonderful I know. hair. As a guy who doesn't have wonderful hair, I, I often oh. look at his sideburns in his hair and I think, where I did like, I go if wrong? If I could just put half one of, half of those sideburns <laughs> on the top of my on head, top of my head <laughs> I'd be one iota as good looking as Guy. So apparently he got his beginnings in 2004 on the TT, but I didn't see anything. So I'm wondering, you know how you have to qualify for it first? The first couple of years might have been like his like qualifying because I think you have to race the Manx or the Classic first before you can actually do the, the main TT and you have to do a bunch of other like qualifying races. So prior to the 06 season, he won the, what they call Cock of the North, which I'd love to win that, but I can't even get Cock of the... Cock of the, uh, Cock of the 90210, yeah. <laughs> um, Cock he also, of your backyard. He also, yeah, I, I don't even own that, to be honest. That crow had a bigger dick than me. But he won Cock of the North and the International Gold Cup, which I think is might be called the Bull d'Or, right, at Oliver's Mount in Scarborough, which is a famous road racing course. And in 2006, he didn't really do well at the Northwest 200 or the Isle of Man, but he blew away the Ulster GP, which is just as dangerous. And that's actually where... Um, 
Michael Dunlop's brother uh, died was at, at the Ulster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got four wins and a second place, so he swept it, and I think it got him like rookie of the year or man of the man of the meat, some shit like that. Man on the moon. Man on the moon. He was eating a lot of cheese at the time. Um, so 2007, he did pretty good at the TT. He was just shy of being the second person to ever hit a 130 mile an hour lap. And he smashed several other series and took home several wins, but not at the TT. And it was a really good year, except for the TT. So he did do a fast lap. And, and, and at that time, 130 wasn't normal. Now it's like the new normal, right? So like 131 mm-hmm. or 132. Uh, 2008, he was leading the superbike race with, uh, with an 11-second lead. He was going to win his first TT. Electrical problems took him out. Uh, 2009, he, was, he got three podiums. Um, and I think he was in the lead in the super sport, but a 600 engine failed in the second race. Um, and then the chain snapped in the senior TT. So like just mechanical failures took it out that year. He was looking pretty good, but it's like, if he had a chance, it got wiped out then. And in 2010, not only did he not do so well at the Northwest 200, um, he was looking for some redemption at the, uh, at the TT, but instead Ian Hutchinson dominated. Ian Hutchinson set a really fast time that year, and instead Guy was chasing down his time, and he had that almost near-fatal crash. If you look up Guy Martin TT crash, it's one of the only ones that pops up. It's the one where his bike exploded, and he comes sliding through the flames, and it was just the day prior to that that... um, who died there? Uh, the uh, Ronnie uh, Paul Dobbs. Mm. I almost said Ronnie Dobbs. You ever watch Mr. Show? Uh, uh, Paul Dobbs had literally died in the Supersport uh, second Supersport race the day before at that exact same spot where Guy Martin crashed. So it was just a tricky spot. He was pushing to beat Hutchinson's time. It's like it's either I do this and I win it, or I go all out and I lose the whole thing. And he lost. He was in a terrible crash. Um, really got injured pretty bad. It was near fatal, um, and he was really lucky to survive. Um, like I said, the guy died at that exact spot the day before. So guy just somehow glanced off the wall just right to survive where the other guy didn't. So in 2011, he stayed kind of quiet after that crash. Um, he won the Ulster GP, so that's good for him. Uh, 2012 started going rough. Uh, he crashed at the he crashed at the Classic TT and got a head injury, and it started circulating around the pits. He was riding for a Taiko Suzuki, I believe, at the time, and. Um, it started circulating around the pits that after his crash in 2010 and like, you know, his, his, uh, chain snapping in 2009 that he already and then 11 he kind of took a break that he already wasn't in it right so mm-hmm. um the rumors were circulating but he's like no i'm cool like like i i like my team <laughs> like they're just rumors but he still didn't do good over the two-week period and then um for the first time in the race's 105 year history it was canceled due to weather so that was another weird year like these last few years have been like you know climate changing even for them that's true um, I don't even know what happened in 2013. It didn't even list uh, what happened, but um, 20 that was the year the Loch Ness uh, came. Oh back. shit! Right, so Nessie came and down Marth Mothra from Scotland and actually traversed that little tiny. Like John O'Groats, she went up and jumped into the North Sea, swam yes. down to the Irish Sea to yes. the Channel, yes, and yeah, came over there and Mothra and Godzilla, and then partied on Isle of Man. I know they, they had to clean up the it. shit, yeah. for, for days. They didn't even cancel the TT though. Did you know that? Like they they ran it even with the monsters going nuts. So I don't no, know what happened to Guy Martin. But I think he chickened out that year. Yep. Um, 2014, he took two podiums at the TT. But if you look at his website, there was a hell of a lot more going on. Following that crash, actually, and following like all the 2012 was the year, or yeah, 
2012 was a year that like all the rumors started going around. He became a personality. He became like a reality TV show. And like you're saying, he's got fabulous hair. You can barely understand him. He's like, and they're like, what'd you say? And he's like, and he's always drinking tea. And like they have to have subtitles. So he's a funny guy to watch. And so by 2014, he didn't do very well, but he had a documentary. He did an MTV documentary. I think he had a book out or something right at that time. Um, and like he started his TV personality career on that and people realized he's funny. He's probably the best thing to have happened to the TT because of that. And because of the drama that he stirred up without really even talking shit, he wasn't a shit talker, no. but he just said what was on his mind and it like, and once in a while he'd eat a piece of poop. And once in a while he would not only be a shit talker, but a shit gobbler. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2014, he did go on to win Pike's peak um, on a turbocharged GSXR 1100, that goes largely untalked about because that was the year that that old guy, um, Bobby Gooden, accidentally lost control after the finish line and ate shit on the rocks and died. So his death became the, uh, it was like on a uh, Daytona 675. Yep. Yeah. So everybody was talking about the tragedy of Pike's Peak and how dangerous it is. And Meanwhile, Guy Martin, guy just he fucking slammed it home on a threw him in a pile yeah. with the other ones. And he's just like, yeah, you know what? I got, I'm going to drink some tea now. That's what it sounded when he said it. I'm going to remember from my guy. And they're like, what? Um, so yeah. Anyway, so 2015, it was a mixed bag. He didn't really do that well here, but he did well at other places. Um, and considering that so many competitors are running at 130 miles an hour at this time means that that shit that he did like five years prior, it was cool at the time, but now it's like the new standard. So run it, you have to run 130 miles an hour t- now to be like on pace. So it, re- it just wasn't really, really good. He was pushing this boundaries, boundaries of speed. He wasn't excited. I remember him saying at that time that he really wasn't excited with where racing was going. It was 2015. Nobody had had new shit since like 2008. Like Suzuki's were still running the GSXR K5 motor. Um, like there was a lot of shit that just had not changed in like 10 years. He was racing for Suzuki. He just wanted something new. And so, uh, you know, and everybody's running 130 miles an hour now. So like even speed is like everybody's doing it now. There's nothing, I can't push anymore. And that's what he was all about. Um, and during the Ulster GP, he crashed and did the most damage to his body, even considering that 2010 fiery explosion. Um, he broke some spinal bones, mm. his sternum, and his throttle hand. So he, that was the first time he fell and got really fucked up. He got so lucky when he hit that wall and his bike exploded that he didn't die. That guy literally died at that same spot. And he just luck was with him and he glanced off all these walls he spent his whole career falling just right and he finally ate shit hard enough to where he's like you know what i'm out so after that ulster crash he came here to the states and in 2016 he raced the tour divide you know what that is no that's when you either go to new mexico i think is where it starts or you can start at canada it's either it's just a transcontinental trail that starts at canada and then in mexico or vice versa depending on where you start and i think he started in canada and it basically follows the Rocky Mountains, the Continental Divide, and he ended in New Mexico or Arizona, wherever the fuck it ends. And he did a, he, instead of racing any motorcycles that year, he did a cross country uh, mountain bike race, and they time it and everything. So he he won a mountain bike race, I think, um, and he didn't race any motorcycles at all. So then 2017, he comes back to racing, teams up with John McGinnis. Do you know 2017? This is just a couple of years ago. Do you remember when the new CBR came out in 2017? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the big controversy about it? No. 
Okay, so this is just, they just redesigned it for 2020, I believe, or 2019. So the 2017-18 CBR comes out, and it had a quick shifter on it, and like a whole bunch of new Wango Tango stuff coming out of the 16, you know, bike. They're upgrading everything, and it was just problems with the um, not only the race bikes but the production bikes because the Isle of Man is based on production bikes um, it's not like MotoGP so the bikes are getting um, false neutrals and all sorts of shit between every gear and it's just terrible John McGinnis was racing um, the new Fireblade at the Tandegree 100 gets in a collision with another rider um, oh no no John McGinnis uh, he and John McGinnis were both uh, testers for the bike and like they mentioned it at the tan degree guy collided with another rider and went off course and didn't end up racing but John McGinnis kept going suffered a crash uh, at the next outing at the northwest because of a gearbox issue and then after that incident Guy, guy Martin hadn't gone out yet I think it was in qualifying so they pulled Guy and him out and they're like shit we got lucky at tan degree because you crashed and didn't get a chance to really race it at the northwest John McGinnis gets this uh, box of neutrals that you guys were already talking about and testing, so we're not going to let Guy race, but we'll go ahead and fix it. And at the TT, John McGinnis was so fucked up from the Northwest, he couldn't even compete, so Guy Martins will all go. And he gets that same fucking thing on the opening Superbike race. He only made it eight miles before the same gearbox caused him to um, crash. So oh. Honda pulled out, I think, of the 17 and 18 TT, and that's why the CBR got a redesign um, just last year. Um, so yeah, he retired from motorcycle racing after that. So he never, ever won the TT. Not that he wasn't fast and not that he didn't, you know, do all this other shit, but it's just he like, he was Nikki always a uh, bridesmaid <laughs> and never a groom. What? Mm. Um, so yeah, to say that he hasn't gone on to do other forms of racing, he's done a whole bunch of record setting for his TV shows. His competitive corn eating has been amazing. Um, he's also doing competitive hot dog launching, which is where you go to a hot dog eating contest and you eat it. But then the real competition comes the aftermath. You see how far you can projectile poop it. So and you, oh my you can't, gosh, you can't stuff it up. It has to go through. You have to start at the mouth and come out the back. So that's actually competitive Cordy. I'm going to punch you in the face. That was too good. I was trying to follow it up. I fucking failed. Um, but anyway, he's not doing these records for his shows, by the way, just to clarify that. He's doing it because he's an absolute maniac about speed and engineering and all this shit. And he just loves going fast. And so it's, he's not doing it for popularity. He's doing it because he loves speed. He's just getting it filmed. So he's another guy. I mean, I, I think Nikki Hayden, very personable dude. Like, people loved him. Yeah. Um, same with Guy. Yes, uh, he's probably the best thing that happened to the TT because it would have been like the Bonneville races. Like, who goes to Bonneville? People that like that shit not yeah. necessarily spectators not necessarily people that want to hear about like your friends they're like oh why is this so i've heard of it why is it so dangerous nobody's heard of bonneville you know like they watch the world's fastest indian and it becomes a topic for like five minutes just like um you know people watch la bamba and fucking richie valens comes back into the spotlight for i five think seconds. we need to tell everyone about bonneville no, we need to. Yeah, you're right. Actually, let's tell them about Bonneville. You know, Bonneville actually right now is in a sad state of affairs because all that mining, sucking the water out of the salt, and it's just turning it to powder, I guess. So yeah, we need to restore Bonneville. Um, They've been working on it. I went there once. Yeah, I want to go there. I would love to go uh, take a fucking scooter, do a class that hasn't been invented yet. You know what I'm saying? Like do something crazy. People uh, do that. Stay sick bikes. Is there a push bike class? <laughs> It has to be probably has to be powered, but those little Stasics are battery powered. They are, but I don't think that would last the whole 
yeah. course length. Yeah, <laughs> they're like we need an abbreviated uh, five mile run. Um, let's talk real quick now that it's getting to be eight thirty. I want to get Brady out of here at a reasonable time. He's been sucking in my I corona. I need my, be- my beauty sleep. Yes, he's he's very beautiful. And if he doesn't I have get- to go to work after this, I had someone text me and Shut I need to go home and actually work. I was just gonna go to bed and I gotta go work. All right, well let's get you out of here then. But I do want to know. I've been wondering about the. Um, I actually wanted to hit you up last week. Yes. And we we're very fortunate that this show got ruined because I would have already had it recorded and we wouldn't have got to air this until next week. Yes. But since the whole thing grenaded, we get to talk to you. I want to know what's happening with the uh, the SoCal Classic, the um, the Californian. And all the classic track days. I know there's some shit coming up, and and I, I want to hear all about it. Well, you know, we're trying to be. Uh, we rely on a lot of different people to get things done. So unfortunately, these big events that rely on big facilities, it's uh, you know we could probably throw something, but it's just you know a little bit irresponsible. And uh, for some of the big facilities, like where I have the Californian. They are still not open to spectators. We'll see if they open. And um, I'm not in any rush. Uh, You know, we'll all live. I think people would love to do something. So that's on hold till further notice. Hopefully we'll do something later in the year. But I have a feeling um, any place, big gatherings like that might not happen. Um, The cool thing is, though, is that the track days are out at Willow Springs. There's hundreds of acres of room to move around. Good for you. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Tobor. <laughs> Jesus, Tobor, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to talk about something and, and fucking interrupting all up in my cow. grill. But we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a flat track race next weekend, June twentieth and twenty first. It's Father's Day. If you're in the Los Angeles area, it's gonna be epic at Willow Springs Raceway, the Walt James Stadium, three eighths Bank Mile. Practice all day Saturday. Race on Sunday. Camp out the whole nine yards. Um, we're working my butt off to try and stay uh, safe uh, for all everyone who is joining us, and uh, so hopefully that'll go off fine. Yeah. And then uh, July 11th is the Carnival of Speed. Another. So you are doing that. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. That's uh, one of our road track days, but we bring more fun to it. So this year, we are going to be doing drag racing immediately after we'll have live music we'll have a party we'll have mini bikes bar barbecue the whole nine yards so it's just i mean it's just like a classic track all the classic track days are fun full of wacky shit but now you're just doing now we're adding more to it and uh and like i told you earlier uh we're going to do drag racing we're going to do it immediately following the event because we uh could wait and do it under the lights at night but by that time everyone's half a bottle into their uh, gym beam and uh (laughs) the drag racing starts to get a little bit loosey-goosey um, last year we had a lot of fun doing it, uh, but again, um, it's fun party and then doing the mini bikes. So anyway, we're going to do it immediately following the track day, and um, what we're going to do with the um, everyone who signs up for the track day is, is will there be robots? Uh, yeah, there'll be some robots there. Uh, <laughs> Tobor, retar- I don't know if you like female or male robots. I can't tell by your voice. So. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> I, I pipe down, like a switch bro. hitter though. Yeah. Um, um, 
But but the thing I was gonna do to have fun is that during the track day, I'm gonna give people with their registration these little challenge cards. So maybe you'll see someone out on the track that pissed you off, or maybe you'll see someone that's competitive with you at the right, right speed, and then you can go over and challenge him, and then you'll have to answer the challenge. I love this idea. It's like, you stuffed me in the corner, now I'm gonna get you on the straightaway. Yeah. Or, or like you mentioned to me earlier, we were, we were talking as we were eating earlier, and it's like, you know, a couple people show up on these vintage bikes, and the only way they're going to get a head-to-head is, like, right there on the drag strip. Mm-hmm. But I have fun because I'll go out, and uh, depending on your skill level and what motorcycle you have, you know, smaller bikes can be very competitive with uh, somebody who's a big, big motherfucker on a, on a bigger bike, weighing a lot more in different, different spots and different weight ratios. So, you know, I'm hoping to see some interesting challenges and some real head-to-head racing that people take it seriously. I'll even let people go out there and do it on mini bikes. I don't give a shit. Yeah. If that, that's I mean, what that'd you be fun. Do. Mini, mini bike drag racing. It that'd just be takes fun. a little bit longer time <laughs> and I'm going to have a half dozen of them there anyway, but hey, that'll be fun to do. You know, there's a, the um, AVR, which is the uh, um, Antelope Valley Racing. I met those guys at Joe's Mini Bike Reunion. Those guys got mm-hmm. some pretty fucking fast mini bikes. You know what I'm saying? Like those guys are pretty quick. Yeah, I bet they are. And they've got nitrous on them and crap. And uh, they bring those little mini bikes because I went to that show once, and uh, they had uh, a dyno there for these pull start. You know, they've got all these custom motors, and these guys are so weird. I've seen everything in in in, in uh, and, uh, and, you know, in motorcycles, you know, the different clicks and different people that do this. But the pull start, the pull start crowd takes the cake because they're just small little mini bikes, you know, and they're dropping 10 to 20 grand on turbos and nitrous. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are out of your mind. <laughs> but uh, it is a different sort. I wish they would come out. I hope some sidecars show up. That'd be fun and do some um, taxi rides for people. I always uh, try and drag their asses out for that. And uh, just make a whole day of it, you know, make it a whole day, night, everyone can get together. And because of the fact that there's more than enough room for social distancing and being smart, obviously we're going to get people, most people I talk to about the, the, not as much the road stuff, but this flat track, you know, they, they're, they're planning on having COVID flakes for breakfast. I mean, this is, this is what they do. (laughs) This is like, fuck this, you know, I don't know what, you know, so they're, I'm going to have to really reel them in hard. I'm going to have a couple of, uh, morning talks I'll be the bad the bad cop at the writers meeting and I even told my partner on it who's I mean we sit and have conversations I go well on that subject I'm 180 degrees off from your yeah. from your opinion. So I just want to let you know there is this discrepancy here that we need to d- deal with, and I'm on one side and he's on the other. It makes for a really good team. It's like the odd couple, of course. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna have to be a bitch and be like, listen, I got all these waivers signed, all these waivers drawn up, and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, don't worry about those gunshots. This is LA. <laughs> <laughs> he was just shooting his dog. Yeah, he's. Uh, it was, wait, wait a minute. Tobar is not here. That was Tobar. Where the fuck? Did he's he go? out down the. He let him out the back gate. He's <laughs> well, out shooting like hey, a maniac. He does what he wants. I just keep him here. I let him sleep here. Um, so yeah, for people in the Los Angeles area, or even you know, it's worth a six-hour drive. If even people as a track day, it's unlike any track day. It's vintage motorcycles, a lot of your '90s super bikes, and then you get into the 2000s. There's a couple modern guys. There's people on small displacement bikes, two strokes, 
uh, factory race bikes. Uh, then there's people that come out and they ride on their adventure bikes. Um, I had one time people, two people came out on early eighties, fully dressed Honda, uh, cop bikes, fully dressed oh, all nice. around, um, scraping bags. We have the Harley guys come out like my, um, my friends Eric from Jiffy Tune. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, Tony. And Tony Saloma from Shred Motor Company, and they bring such a cool crowd of dudes. And these guys come out with these fully blown street bikes. They don't care. Beautiful paint jobs. They're like scraping the bags, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, oh. So I was sad. up at the Omega the last time I was at a track day when. The guy, I think his name's Joker or something on Instagram, and he went down in the corner. Oh, there, Joker! Like, yeah, that's. Yeah, I was like, uh, oh no, it like, your paint. Yeah, like I always think of that. Like uh, these these paint jobs, but they you know they don't give a fuck. They sh- they, they shred them, care. bro. That's Lucas. Lucas followed in the other guys' uh, steps. Lucas Gibu, and they are they're they're a force to be reckoned with, and they are a bunch of Los Angeles hillbillies. Yeah, and uh, they are bad to the bone, and. Um, so the the thing that's also interesting about Classic Track Day, you're not just going to go out and just see everyone on the same five-year-old leader bike, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, these I love it. It's, I love it's just so neat. And people are coming up like, fuck it, I'll do it. What do I have to do? Tape up your lights. Take yeah. off the mirrors. Go on. Yep. You'll um, see, and you'll see, like... Um, Jay LaRosa comes out there once in a while. You'll Jay see comes s- out. You see famous people in yeah. our market. So we have people that have come out um, my friend Heath Coffrin from Alpine Stars, he brings out a lot of neat people. He brought out, um, who's the guy that made Arch and he's a big famous movie star? Oh, yeah. Keanu, uh, Keanu Bill Reeves came out to the streets once and blew Bill up S. his Preston Norton. Esquire. <laughs> uh, no, not him. Ted Theodore and, Logan. And that was really nice. He was a really nice laid back guy. And then we had another time we had, uh, David Allen Greer come out and he rode oh, no with shit. us. Yes. Oh, and he so had fun. another buddy with him, another comedian that was another buddy, and they came out. But then we have local um, builder people stars like um, Michael Woolaway from Deus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he's very, very fast and he's been ringing out his uh, little two stroke Studer bike. Is that what it's called? The Studer. 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 Yeah. And then we have people like Jay LaRosa. I have the Studer. Um, he has the Studer. Yeah, exactly. Mine's and then, a Korean um, ripoff. It's a one stroke. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. Everything right. One, st- one stroke. Half yeah. stroke. <laughs> and then um, who's the guy that does Earl motorcycles? Um, I don't know why. Yeah. His, well, his name's Earl. His last name's Earl. I forget his name. Oh, uh, I don't know why it's blanking on Earl Bingham. Oh, yeah. He's the same. Er- Earl Gray. Earl no, Gray. not Earl Gray. It'll come to me right as, as soon as I forget about it. And yeah. then um, Alex Earl. And then he's. he's, he's who's super that? Fr- no, just Alex kidding. Earl. <laughs> 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 and then we also have Maxwell Hazen. He's oh, uh, yeah. he's a superstar in his own right that builds all these bikes, and he brings out his uh, little fat cat, which is uh, his little, uh, I think it's like an RC51 or something like that. We have uh, this uh, super famous guy that comes on your show a lot. Yeah, this, his name is uh, Wiss Criggins or something like that. Christ- <laughs> Christopher Criggins. Huygens. You know, uh, that's and fun. You might even see Brady Walker. You might see. I'll suit up. You'll see Blondzilla Girl out yeah. there, I hope. You'll see a lot of our Arma friends, real Arma racers, but it's 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 so much fun, um, and even for a spect it's for a spectator, it's something to do and see and smell, photos, partying, whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, and uh, we have a taste of the track that's actually sponsored by Moto Republic. 
Uh, they are taking over the. They've always been very supportive of this event. They bring some of the weirdest few people with the weirdest bikes, which makes me very happy. But now they're sponsoring the uh, Taste of the Track, which is if you show up uh, on your bike and you want to do a few laps at noon, we let you go out for twenty bucks and get to ride around on Willow Springs at speed. It's really really fun. So I there's another it. reason to do yeah. it. Yeah, you could do it on Spamla. I did it on Spamla. You did. Do you it. charged me sixty bucks, but it's because oh. of the liability or something like that. You yeah, I was afraid of the track burning up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid you're gonna hit the track with that bike. Hell yeah! Leave a leave a flaming uh, a flaming tire mark like the DeLorean in Back to the Future. Exactly. Um, but no, it is fabulous. I'm glad to hear all this stuff is getting back on. I, whether or not you're ready to do it, uh, the AMA and Dorna they're moving forward with their racing programs. It's really hard to do virtual racing. Have you been watching any of the MotoGP virtual races? I've been watching them. I think they're just hilarious to watch the MotoGP guys fuck around with the PlayStation and try to I get have to work. not, oh, but I funny. think it's great because we've been watching the NASCAR stuff because um, that's one of the three channels we get up there, and we watch the NASCAR, and I said, do you know what? This is charming because it's hilarious because the cars crash into the, the lap truck and cars do flips, <laughs> but they just sort of get hung up in the fence. You right. know, It's like, how does that happen? Right. And the guys, um, I fell in love with the guy who actually works for, I don't know if it's ABC or whatever the news thing is, is uh, Clint Boyer, and he uh, was <laughs> driving, and he is such a fucking funny guy, just a super cool beer-drinking maniac, but just watching him and his frustration and about how it's working, because he might not be the most into video games like these 20-year-olds who are actual NASCAR racers, who are just, a couple of them are just blew them away, but I think it's hilarious, and it was something to do uh, while we were quarantined, and yeah. I think that they did a great job, and that I racing or e racing, whatever the fuck they are, yeah, I can see that Mula Kula there, man. Yeah, those and those guys is. are actual NASCAR racers, but they make a lot of money just doing i racing and shit. I racing has its own like. Yeah, NASCAR I know. Style, and like it's a, so real yeah. and so crazy. And you could see people had one guy had just this fucking, you know, 18 inch monitor on his desktop with a chair pulled up. And then these other guys have this whole very elaborate, looks like tens of thousands of dollars into a whole racing rig with haptic feedback yeah, and yeah. everything. And it like moves and it has like the wraparound screen. Uh, yeah. So you, don't, you can check your blind spot rather than pushing B to like look behind you. Right. Yeah. I've seen that shit. It's crazy. And I bet you it was fun for MotoGP. We didn't get to watch any, but oh, I bet you it'd been fun. It's funny because everyone's like, oh, "I don't want to watch a one, bunch of twelve-year-olds," and I was like, "You don't. You, you obviously haven't watched it. It's the MotoGP guys. It's, it's our people, our favorite. But and, you know, they, they don't all speak English. Like no, they, and they know, so suck at video. They're so fast on the track, but they suck at video games. So that's what makes it so funny watching Valentino Rossi fuck around trying to, you know, and and they're they're crashing like they would never crash in real life. It's just so funny. Well, the risk isn't there, and they can just do yeah. whatever they want. Oh, it's hilarious. yeah, fucking Nakagami just turned into a kamikaze and came in. He, like, was winning a race because he torpedoed, like, um, who the fuck was it? It was, like, Fabio Quartararo. He just took him out in the first lap, just used him as the brakes, right? Just it was so used funny. Used him as a missile to yeah, shoot and the next guy. Mark Marquez was, like, winning uh, the virtual. Um, they're not keeping points. It's just for fun. But Mark yeah. Marquez was winning, and he fucking torpedoes him. I was like, oh, shit, this is too funny. And Mark Marquez is like, what the hell? You know, like, it was pretty rad. And then after the race, 
face. They're all laughing about it and saying shit like, you know, like, hey, I think you need to go to, um, you know, go to, uh, what's it called? Like when you're getting sanctioned and shit, like you ran into me, bro. Like, and they don't speak English, so it's pretty funny. But yeah, it's the, it's the real racers racing, which is what makes it so funny. What about, um, it's a little yeah, hard. It harder wouldn't be funny that. other way. I don't want to watch anyone else do no, it no, except no, for these guys. So and same thing with, um, even watching some of the young guys in NASCAR, they're just very intense and into it. Yeah. And Clint Boyer's like, you know, just like one handed, like what's happening? I don't even know what's, what the fuck? And they're all just pissed off and all the old guys. Cause there was a lot of people that don't race anymore. Like, uh, Earnhardt Jr. And, oh shit. Yeah. And okay. all these people that actually were added to the race and some of the announcers were playing and having a good time, but the old dudes were great. But did you hear about the one guy who said the N word when he was talking? I have just been reading about it thing. and oh. apparently he's gone from, uh, yeah, he got, I don't know if he'll ever come back, but it was, uh, it was just like, Jesus Christ, man. You stupid. Not, not a good decision, but, uh, you know, it, it just goes to show you whether you're doing something fun like this or, uh, and I'm not condoning him using that kind of stuff. It's any kind of anything that you say or do anymore yeah. is, is, is in You're going to be held accountable. Everything's held accountable. Right. Which Imagine is good. what he says when he d- thinks the thing's not on. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> Out of control. It, it'd be a little bit harder to do this sort of stuff for Classic Track Day because I don't know of any game that has Willow Springs in it, but that'd be amazing. You know there what I'm saying? There is, I don't know either i think no there is one but it's not for motorcycles so my friend michael vn who um has a custom shop here that uh builds up a lot of the um 80s and 90s super bikes really fancy builds um he's come to all my track days and he got invited by that um new it's a it's a, it's a motorcycle race company that ma- they make these bikes they're based on a uh, ktm 690 they're caught i forget what they're called oh. They're single cylinders producing like over 100 horsepower. Anyway, he Cra- got Kramer. Kramer, Kramer. Kramer. And Kramer asked Michael if he wanted to ride a, ride one of their bikes as a sponsored rider at Barber, at the Barber Vintage Festival, which he went to. So he, we were talking about it, and he was so intense. He was working out every morning and all this stuff. And <laughs> I, he said, I got this. I've never been to Barber, and I want to perform well. And uh, he got this video game that had all the racetracks yeah. on it. But it wasn't a motorcycle video game. It was a car Still. game. Oh, right. That so I don't know sense. if it was F1 or for what kind of cars it was. It was probably most likely like an F1 thing. But it allowed him to learn the track by playing the game. And yeah. he was like, I'm right. He's like, you got to come play. And I'm like, shit, I got to go play. They do have Willow Springs on it. Nice. I, I don't know how I would how I would physically feel, but I have memorized the Nürburgring, the old Nürburgring, the Nordschleife in, uh, from Gran Turismo playing that at least a hundred hours. I bet you you could come uh, to go go do it and you'll probably have muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I think of the tracks, I don't think of, I can't sit down and think about, I guess you can, we've seen a lot of these tracks and what they look like. So I know what Willow Springs look like. Um, the, I wouldn't say that one, but just by going at some of these racetracks often and you can sit down and I can sit down and visualize the whole racetrack. Yeah. Yeah. Very easily and figure that out. And I'll bet you 20 bucks. If you're even doing it on a video game, you'll get a lot of that muscle memory yeah. back. You're not going to know how it feels to be hitting that certain mm-hmm. turn because it's like some of them have camber, some of them are flat. But visually, oh, yeah, look, there's the corner. There. As long as they don't change it, you know, from the video game, like they redesign the track and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be super fun. I'd really love to find Willow Springs. If you go back and listen to last week, not last week's episode, mm-hmm. but the week before, episode yep. 121, I believe it was, 
we talked about Nicky Hayden. I told you I shit talked him. Yeah. But he did get his World Superbike and his AMA uh, debut. He won. He started racing at Willow Springs. He won his first race at Willow Springs. Willow Springs. This no is back shit. in the days of the Corsa when it was like a superbike. AMA was hitting the superbike tour mm-hmm. there, right? So yeah, oh, good the good back old days. in those days. So Brady Walker, sweet talker. Uh, the light just went out on us. I'm gonna, I will go turn it on. But we're already at two hours. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having dinner. Thanks for hanging thank out. Thank you for having me over. I always love coming over. And thank you for um, for um, keeping a, a, a social distance from me. Yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. I know, especially is, with your 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 eating manners. You know, all the, all the taco did, sauce. I don't know everywhere. if you noticed, but I tried to walk around the table this way when I gave you the water, and I try I tried to. We maintained social distancing both of us have our masks at the ready in case yes, we, we got lean too close to each other and Orange. into each other's eyes but yeah we th- we did it we made this a social my wife was really adamant she's like please guys sit like and i was like all right and babe, you know like- what and thank you, your wife and your family for letting me come over and yeah. in these critical critical times and thank you for letting me play with your dogs because i love them so much and tobor tobor why Tobor's, is he i thought he was still out shooting people he was he's sitting here now oh, hi, tobor, tobor. Well, I don't get it. Like you like Brady, you have like a weird man crush on Brady. But I don't know why you don't like me very much. I'll never know. But um, I know you would love to see Brady come back. So anytime you want Brady, Tobor will gladly have you back. Well, it's, tell, it's tell, tell Tobor to be, maybe maybe he could be a little bit more part of the conversation. He only says a couple things. And I know it's kind of boring. Why don't you like me, Tobor? Because you talk about jerking off on your motorcycle. Oh, I actually want to hear more about that, Tobor. Yeah. You're lame. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tobor, um, I'll talk about what I talk about, and you talk about what you talk about, which is boring to me, which is like computer chips programming and taking over yeah. humans. So, yeah. Like C++. Yeah. Go fuck yourself, Tobor. <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself. All right. So that's the show, everybody. Thanks, Brady, for hanging out. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip side next week. Yes. Hopefully, I don't. I'm going to save this Will as we soon talk as- about the bikes of 1981? Yeah. Speaking of which, we're going to go, we're going to, this is my year, since everyone's been in quarantine, my plan is to start talking about uh, history. We're, we're, we're at a pinnacle year. We're at a, we're at an even numbered year here. So why not talk about some of the other shit that went on on even numbered years? So let's, we'll talk about uh, maybe 1920. I actually did that two episodes ago. So go listen to that too. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're out. Uh, See ya. Bye.